0: And hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Kuehl Show. I am your host, as always, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kehl. And guys, boy, oh boy, we thought it's, you know, the off season; it's going to be a little bit of a lull right here before the expansion draft. But boy, oh boy, the NHL general managers heard your beck and call, and they decided to pull out all the stops this past weekend, giving us one heck of a show here tonight on 12 Ounce Sports. We have a lot to get to today guys, no question about it indeed. In just a few moments we'll be joined by Pat Nicolai talk about the Minnesota Wild. Billy Garen, guys, he was uh he was making headlines up there just outside the 10,000 Land of 10,000 Lakes as well. A little bit later on around 7:30, Tony Ferrari, the your favorite ball draft expert, will be joining us to talk about the NHL Entry Draft. I'll also talk about the Seattle expansion draft. We'll make their picks on who we think Seattle's going to take this Wednesday night. But, of course, you're watching us on 12 Ounce Sports because you guys are all awesome, which means you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Zingo TV, channel 761, if you ever want to jump on there. You can sign up for free using the promo code 12Ounce. That's the number one. The number two, letter O, Z, or Z for you American English users. And, as always, we got to thank our amazing sponsors, guys, mybookie.ag down there in the corner. Guys, check them out. NBA Finals could end tomorrow night, but... Plenty of time. Put your bets in for that one. Use the promo code 12 Ounce Sports to sign up for free. Win and get paid on mybookie.ag. And as always, up there in the corner, secondstringleather.com, hashtag crafted from the crease. Guys, 50% off wallets. You want awesome wallets that look like old-school goaltending gear or even new-school Ray Emery gear, Mike Smith gear, Grant Fior, recent-ish gear, Jimmy Howard gear? Go on secondstringleather.com, guys, and get the best high quality products from second string leather company and with that guys we're gonna get into the nitty-gritty because like i said we got two and a half hours today and we may not have hit the two and a half hours last couple weeks but boy guys we're gonna be pushing it today we are starting off hard we are starting off strong with none other than the i'm gonna say we're just gonna take a ballpark estimate third or fourth time here on the show he is from the land of 10,000 lakes he is the best he is one of the minnesota wild analyst there for kfan 100.3 and also one of the best minnesota college hockey analysts as well ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the show the golden gopher legend himself pat micheletti pat how are we doing today sir well
1: how about that Uh, i'm doing great tyler it's always always fun to be on with you
0: i always tell my guests the more you come back the better the intros get so we get oh
1: my gosh i know i I feel important now
0: eventually we're going to have like word art come across the screen, yeah. like slow motion graphics. We're going to have like dogs barking. It's going to be, it's going to be insane. Uh, Pat, thanks for coming on again as always. How are you doing? How are you doing today?
1: I'm, I'm doing just, uh, great. Uh, it's going to be a great week of uh, national hockey league talk and, uh, so much going on uh, with the expansion draft, the entry draft, free agency. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be a, a, a busy time, but a fun time.
0: No question about it, because this past week, I mean, we we go back to our usual Monday, just the one-day week show, just because the playoffs are over. Sometimes yep. it gets a little bit of a lull. This year, though, Pat, I think it's a mixture of having the expansion draft, which was already, you know, going to happen two years ago. We already knew that was to be the plan. But just the condensed offseason that we're going to have, because I have to remind people, Training camp is just two months away, Pat. This is going to be quick, bang bang, and all of a sudden we're back to hockey again.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's it's really unbelievable, and and um, you know it, uh, you know we're moving in the right direction of getting back to normal and a normal year. And
2: you know you knew
1: this was going to happen, having a short off season because of the pandemic and and the length of the uh, length of the playoffs. And uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it all happens so fast
0: happened so fast and I tell you it's it's going to be weird next year having a full 82 game season because I thought yeah. for some reason 56 this year felt like forever we're going to go back to the full 82 and I'm going to feel like it's so I have to remind myself it's a marathon not a sprint yeah I mean no no question
1: and and you know last year you know with it being 56 games you had a team like Montreal you know get to the Stanley Cup Finals you know, a lot of people might think, Hey, you know, they're going to have a difficult time getting back in the playoffs next year with an 82 game season, The you know, everything being, you know, back to the divisional play. And, you know, so um, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was really uh, a fun season to watch, you know, with teams playing each other eight times, the, the Canadian division, um, you know, just so much going on. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was actually a real fun year.
0: It was exciting. It was unique. I I got the feeling, you know, maybe this is my inner seventy six year old Pat, but I loved having the four divisions kind of yeah. a little bit more separate than they than they usually are in today's game. Because you remember back in the eighties and nineties, oh. the smite, the Norris, Adams, where literally they play Friday, Saturday night, back to back, bloodbath both nights, and they go to the next town and do it all over again. That was fun, right?
1: Oh God, I played in a few of those. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, and, and tensions get up and. And, uh, you know, uh, your hatred, hatred for the other team, um, you know, you just, you want to beat their brains out, right? And, uh, um, yeah, that, that was fun to watch. And, and uh, you know, I, 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 I actually wouldn't mind if they kept it that way. Um, yes, it's, it's probably better where, you know, we get to see stars and, you know, and all the different arenas and, and such. But, boy you build up those rivalries and, and those become just uh, terrific hockey games.
0: And that's one thing we'll get to the, the alignment a little bit more and get your thoughts yeah. on it because it's, it's so, it's going to be crazy. And I have my own idea, especially now with 32 teams, 16 in each conference, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Let's get to the big news that happened yeah. last week, Pat. And it, it's, it's still mind boggling for a number of reasons. Zach Parise, Ryan Suter, both bought out by the Minnesota Wild on the same day at the same time Hmm. i for those that don't know for those that are somehow well i guess i mean if you're in elementary school you probably could have been born after this happened watching this program but in 2012 july 1st right after parise was coming off a stanley cup final birth the devils ryan Suter coming off probably the best season the predators had at that point both get signed to massive contracts with the Minnesota Wild thinking this was going to revitalize the franchise. And, you know, they had their moments, and Souter's still a top four guy. But why this? Why now, Pat, to buy both these guys out? Well,
1: Well, let's go back to the mega contracts. Um, They hit the free agent market at the – it could not have been a a more perfect time. Um, That particular year, nine years ago, on July 4th, um, that year, uh, if you looked at the free agents that were available, it was Parisi, Suter, and the rest. And that drove the market up considerably. And in fact, in fact, Tyler, they turned down more money uh, in other places to come to the same place, be together, and, you know, kind of get back home for Parisi and close to home for Suter. Right. Um and, and and so the the contracts were market driven, no question about it. Um, Minnesota had to do it; they had no choice. They were at a a point in their um, organization where they needed a splash. Um, they they you know they weren't a great team. Um, you know attendance was going down a little bit, and um, they needed something to invigorate the whole organization. That did it. Um, so from a success standpoint, um, at the gate financially for the organization, it was a win. Now, what do we judge our teams on? Well, we judge them on championships and that's one thing that they weren't able to do. Now, do you blame Parisian Suter for that? Or, you know, are there other factors? Well, to me, and I think anybody in the hockey world, um, it takes more than two guys to win a, a championship, and they had they had their moments, like you said, um, but ultimately they didn't have enough. And 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 uh, uh, I'm not going to sit here and blame Chuck Fletcher for you know not getting them there, but the core that he depended on to get them there just wasn't good enough. And um, and you know basically that's what it, that that's what it boiled down to. Now, as far as buyouts, um, you know, Bill Guerin has come in. He wants to play a certain way. He wants a certain culture in that locker room, and um, and he's not afraid to to make change. And um, he realized a year ago that you know we got to get bigger, we got to get faster, and we got to get um, we got to get more skilled. And. Um, you know, their their age was a problem. Uh, you know, Miko Koivu eventually retired. They didn't re-sign him. Uh, Eric Stahl was traded. And so I think this was just part of moving in that direction. Uh, listen, with, with, with the contracts, with the way that they are set up, um, it was really a no-win situation for Minnesota. Uh, at some point in time, they were going to get hit with recapture problems. You know buyout problems, which they now have. Um, so there really wasn't any type of solution. So I think he just said, "You know what? Time to bite the bullet, move on, let them move on with their career, and and uh, and go from there."
0: Yeah. For those that don't know, the buyout numbers are as followed. Next year's not too bad, only two point four no. million, but it's the next three Pat that are a little a uh, little Terrible. spooky.
2: Yeah.
0: Over six mil in twenty twenty two, twenty three. 23, 24, and then 24, 25 are both over seven mil. The last two years are just this nice little 833,000. And and that's, yeah, that's right. So you're looking at about next year, 12 and
1: then 14. Exactly. It's,
0: it's not pretty. And, you know, I, I I look at this and I look at this in two ways. I understand, obviously you want to get rid of both contracts for Billy Gearing because they are big contracts, but for me, I understand Parise little bit of injury problems as of late. He's not the same player he was, you know, 10 years ago. But Suter was still playing those top four minutes for Minnesota. I can understand one, but why do you think it had to be both?
1: Well, I, I, I think that um, the majority of the minutes are going to go to Spurgeon, Brodeen, and Dumba. Right. Um, I also know that they want to get bigger back on, on the back end. Okay, Um, if you watch the playoffs and and I had this uh, discussion with Bill, Um, you know, you're playing every other day and, you know, in the playoffs, Tyler, every time you touch the puck, you are going to get hit. And when you're not, um, when you're not, you know, you look at Brodeen's size, you look at Dumba's size and you look at Jared Spurgeon, not the biggest guys and they need a little beef back there. And um and and I think uh you know I think they recognize that and, and Suter for that matter, although he's strong as a horse, you know, he he's not a physical guy, right? Yeah and um and so I think I think that was part of the thinking going into this is that okay, you know, we've got our, our, our speed and skill with, with Dumba, Brodeen and Spurgeon. Um we need a little beef back there. And so I, I think uh, you know, a lot of people think that hey, getting a you know, getting a top line center is is the biggest priority. I, I really think uh, something may happen soon where they either sign a free agent or or make a deal for, you know, a, a bigger, more physical type defenseman, uh, you know, to, to, you know, move them along.
0: Do you think, Pat, since because of the fact that the cap is going to really shrink down, at least their space is going to shrink down after next season that this season's coming up do you think that yep. billy garen is going all out realizing hey this is our one year we have one chance to do this that he's going to go out and get a rental defenseman like that well he,
1: you know he, here's where i'm thinking on the bio a little bit and i'm and i'm speculating here right. um I, I think their their thought process is okay we know we have a flat cap in in this coming season it's going to stay at 81.5 I think with things getting back to normal and you're getting, you know, 18,000 people in the, in, in the stadium, I think with a new TV contract, I, I think they're calculating, yeah, we're going to take that hit. However, the cap should rise a little bit and I, and I think they'll get some relief that way. Um, But, you know, it, 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 you know, and it, you know that that that's me guessing that that's what's going to happen but i think that thought process also had something to do with the buyout now
0: it's it's all math and i know now the fact that there yeah. are people within the, each organization not just you know i obviously everyone looks at tampa with the with the capture convention but toronto oh, yeah. has as well every team has someone <laughs> now yeah. w- either they give the task to an assistant gm or someone down the line in the front office someone's job is to make sure hey Can we make sure that we can pay and play this team legally in the National Hockey League? So someone's out there trying to crunch the numbers. And and
1: one thing about Billy is that um, he would not have done this. And that's what leads me to think um, he's working on a deal. Um, He will make a deal. Or, or you know you know one one of the two but he you know he's got a plan figured out um, as to what needs to be done to fill the void left by these two leaving so um, i you know listen that, you know you, i i don't i don't think that you know for example Suter, that you just buy him out um, to buy him out um, you know he's got to have something else in place already or feel that a guy, you know, coming up in the system is going to be ready. Uh, so, you know, I I think they've um, looked at it from every possible angle and then came to the conclusion that it was time to buy him out
0: yeah it's not it's never an easy decision and, and Bill Guerin came on a couple of shows that I listened to right after the fact and he he gave a very good explanation he stood in the fire he took the heat because there's a lot of people that said wow that I mean yeah now granted more people were looking at the financial side of it more than the personnel side because like I said myself included as much as as cool as it was see Zach Parise go home it's where you know of course his dad played for many years with the North Stars but Looking at this team, and I I kind of, when you mentioned that was Brody and Spurgeon and Dumba being your top three defensemen, I started to understand why you couldn't, they had to buy out Suter. Because yep. the odds of Suter getting picked up by Seattle at that number was probably not going to happen. And obviously his trade value, given the cap, was not going to be able to work out either. I right. saw that with a couple other players around the league. Yeah, uh, 100%. Um, You know, uh,
1: in, 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 And the thing is, you know, Ryan will probably end up making out better on the deal by getting bought out. Um, You know, I know of at least uh, three teams that contacted him the day he got bought out. Okay. Uh, That would be Colorado. That would be Tampa. And that would be Dallas. Um, And going forward, I think that number has reached probably 14 or 15 who have inquired about him. Okay. So... For Ryan, you know, I I think it's going to come down to, A, do I want to take the money somewhere, or do I want to take less money and go to one of four or five teams that legitimately um, have a shot at winning the Cup next year? So it'll be real interesting to see. Zach, on the other hand, um, you know, I I think at 37 years old uh, with a bad back, um, you know, who's lost a step? Um, I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult for him. Uh, and you know, if, if I were his agent and, and advising him, um, I would tell him, you know, hey, you've got to reinvent yourself as a, as a player, you have to understand that you're not going to play in a top six role anymore. Um, you've got to go to a team and tell them, I'm willing to play, um, you know, in a bottom six role. I'm willing to mentor the young kids, tell them what it's like to be a pro. I'm willing to jump up and play if you need me on a, on a top six role for a game or two um, and, and really do whatever it takes uh, to, to help the team win. Uh, if not, I think he's going to have a hard time, uh, you know, finding, uh, finding a suitor uh, that that's, you know, going to take him on
0: right and that's the one thing i think people kind of had the misconception of ryan Souter being bought out it's not because he's a bad defenseman there's a i'm pretty sure like you mentioned half the league is going to want this guy he's he can still play top four minutes and there's a lot of teams that need a defenseman to fill out their top four but you mentioned parise and the fact that he's gonna take a lesser role and and i know it's i'm wearing the leaf shirt right now and i know people are like but they haven't won a playoff series yes i get it kids i was i was in fourth grade the last time they won a playoff series actually i was in third grade pardon me but I will say this a guy like Jason Spezza, who yep. went from making, I think, was it six or seven mil in Dallas? Obviously, I would say it is welcome, wasn't working out. Comes to Toronto on a 700K deal. He's still making league mint. He would take less, but he reinvented himself. And while the team itself hasn't done well in the postseason, Jason Spezza has done a magnificent job in the role that he took on. And if Paris can do that, Like you mentioned, Pat, I think he can make a big may not make the massive splash, may not score 40 goals in a season, but he can give you 15 to possibly 20, give you 45 points from the bottom six and still be an effective player.
1: Well, here's the deal. You know why Jason Spence is having so much success and why he's so well liked Um, uh, look no further than Joe Thornton also is that they reinvented themselves mentally. All right. They told themselves, guess what? You know what? I'm not a top six guy anymore I can't play 20 minutes a night I'm happy uh, doing this and happy contributing and 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 see the the part of the problem with Zach is that and, and it's a and, and it's a good thing and take nothing away from him for for having you know the attitude that hey I'm still a, a top line player um, but you know it, 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 listen. Um, you know, Father Time catches up with all of us, and oh, yeah. uh, and 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 it's, and it's it is for for an athlete who is proud um, and has been at the top. It's really, really, really hard to to get that mindset to say, okay, you know, time to time to reevaluate, time to be the best at what I am now, and 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 not what I was six years ago. And so if he can get to that point, he'll help somebody.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, you mentioned that. And the first thing that comes to my head is how many players do that where they're not looked at as a top six forward or top yeah. four defense. And they just say, you know what? I want to stay at that top. And that's when you see guys go to Europe.
1: Yeah. Spe- yeah. Well, and, oh, and oh, yeah. And not only that, and, and then they're never happy. Right? right. They're never happy. You know, they're sitting on the bench. Oh, I should be playing. I should be this. You know what? Um, that, that, that's part of the, the issue. And that, and, and I think that's part of the issue with why he got bought out of Minnesota. Okay. I think he thought, you know what, I should be in the top six. And, and in reality, um, you know, and, and I like Zach and, you know, he's a friend and all that, but, but, you know, he's not anymore. And, and, and that's, again, like I said, no fault of his own just the matter of, of father time kicking in. And, and uh, so I, you know, I, I, I don't want to say there was bad blood with the organization, but I, I just don't think um, they could have gotten to that point where it was acceptable for, for either, either team, for either um, side. So, uh, you know, it's probably a good move and gives him a fresh start and, and uh, we'll see.
0: We'll just have to wait and see. No question. You mentioned yep. bad blood, and last thing here before we move on to the the protected and unprotected list here for the Minnesota Wild, the uh, the story that came out from Mitch Russo shortly thereafter, almost yep. hours later, was because he got to talk to Ryan Suter is how Suter hung up on Bill garen as soon as he heard the news. Yeah. Now, I, I Pat, you played the game a lot longer than I have. Hockey gods are real. Who gets the betterment of this deal, Ryan Suter for getting bought out and playing probably the most inspired hockey he's probably played in the last five years, or Billy Guerin for making the the big front office move as the GM of this team?
1: Well, um, you know, I I can't confirm that that's what Ryan did. I will tell you, Billy's response was fine. He said, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter, and you know, we move on, um, and there's really nothing to talk about nothing to share. So, um, who wins, you know, you, you hope in the end, both, both win, right. Ryan gets a fresh start. Maybe gets a chance to play, um, you know, on a, on a Stanley cup contender, um, Billy, on the other hand, gets to put the team that he wants on the ice. And, and, uh, and so, you know, you, you hope both, you know, end up on the right side. Uh, that being said, I, listen, for any athlete who is proud, um, you know, who, who wants to get told they're they're getting bought out, who would be happy, right? right. He's got his family here. He loves Minnesota. Um, you know, I'm it, 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 sure it was not an easy day for Ryan. Uh, money aside, you know, it just uh, it, it it wasn't easy. And I and I think he was kind of surprised by the by the whole deal. And he probably felt, you know what? Okay, what do you want me to say, Bill? What do you want me to say to you? Thanks. You know, (laughs) thanks for nothing. Thanks for buying me out.
0: Best of luck in all your future endeavors. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And you know, he he just kind of handled it the way he did. And, and, and you got, listen, you got to remember, whenever you're told something like that, your initial reaction is one of shock and one of uh, despair. And, and uh, you know, you you really aren't thinking about what you're going to say when you're, when you're told something like that. So, um, you know, I think I think he's calmed down. Understands that there's a bunch of teams out there that want him, that he's wanted. Um, but you never, never, ever want to get bought out.
0: Right? Yeah it's it's never never a good thing to hear. I'm like, yeah, we don't watch no. anymore. See you later. It's right. The epitome to get fired. The only difference between Suter and the rest of us is it's a few million dollars difference between yeah, the two of us. Right. Right. But speaking of a few million dollars, and this is why you know maybe the the deal was so important. Is the re-signing of Kirill Kaprizov? Yes, yeah. we're still everyone's still waiting on it. Pat, is there an update? Is there any good word from the Caprizov and Garen Camp on a possible future deal here? He's not doesn't have to be on the on the protected list, which is good to see, but there is obviously, I don't want to say a need to have him on the wild, but if they want to be successful offensively, he brought a whole different load of Pizzazz and whatever adjective you wanted to describe to use him. The wild, I think, will need him in the future offensively if they want to still be a contender.
1: Okay. A lot to unpack there, but here's the deal. Okay. I am 100% convinced they will get a deal done. Okay. Now, um, what are the issues? The issues are um, Minnesota would love and any general manager would love to get him tied up for eight years, the max that they can. Why wouldn't you? He's a superstar. Um, the agent would like to say, Hmm, I would like to get to, I would like my client to get to free agency quicker so I can make mega dollars. Right. Um, oh yeah. And, and can you blame him for that? So, Minnesota would like to sign him to eight years. Uh, The Kaprizov camp would like to sign for two to three years and then get to free agency. Um, The money that Minnesota would offer uh, Kaprizov would be the max that they can. Um, There is no issue on money um, uh, in in terms of signing him to the max that they have, the, the max that they can. So do I think that um, they will meet at some point in the middle? Probably, you know, five years, six years. Uh, I absolutely do 100%. What are his options? His options are to go back to the KHL, make a million dollars. Yes, there's other money, you know, um, under the table, whatever you like to call it, uh, that he could make. Is it going to be as much as he could make? by signing in the, uh, with Minnesota. No. Um, but here's a couple things that you can't forget either. The National Hockey League is the best league in the world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Kirill Kaprizov wants to play in the best league in the world. Kirill Kaprizov wants to be the best player in the National Hockey League. Um, this kid is driven. Um, he wants to play against the best. He wants to be the best. And so for those reasons alone, I do not think that he is going to threaten with going back to the KHL uh, because he couldn't get a deal done with Minnesota. Uh, because that quite frankly, that's his only option. Minnesota owns his rights and and they you know he cannot go to another team. Now, what had happened was Kevin weeks from the NHL network, Sent out a tweet saying um, that talks have gone cold with Minnesota. And it's really interesting is that guess who Kevin Weeks's agent is?
0: Uh, Caprizos, right? Very yeah. good. Yeah.
1: Very good. And so planted, not planted, you know, a, a negotiating ploy. Who knows? Bill Guerin was not happy about it. Um, he stated that publicly and uh you know the, the the two sides are talking so um listen deals like this don't get done overnight okay and uh, it may take a while it may take all the way up to camp but at some point in time a deal will get done i guarantee it
0: now do you think he'll find out uh, like he did when he won the caller he's gonna be out fishing he's gonna get a phone call from his agent hey we got a deal i think it's gonna be like <laughs> like that that was that was probably one of the best stories of the of the trophies that he didn't even know he won the call there, he just found out when yeah. he was fishing. Oh,
1: I know, I know. It's it's great, isn't it? Um, and
0: he's back from Minnesota, he's uh, out fishing, bat.
1: You no, know, and, and a lot of people here, and see when that when that tweet was sent out, well, he he just happened to be in Moscow at the time. Okay. Yeah. And where he was, he was at a friend's wedding. And so all oh, the people in Minnesota. We're all up in arms always going there to sign a contract with the uh, CSKA Moscow right the team that owns his rights in in uh in the KHL uh at least I believe they own his rights or you know they they uh, you know they're gonna make him the offer or something yeah so um but but then again you know uh you know that was you know clarified and the reason why he was literally in Moscow so anyway
0: I will say that is the – because I, I still remember, you know, we have the, the NHL and ESPN coming back next season. It's awesome deal. But it's so funny, like back when they were the first run with ESPN back in the 90s and early 2000s, you, no one would know if he was in uh, Moscow or not unless someone made a phone call or sent an email through AOL or something. now it's one tweet and all of a sudden mass panic.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, ma- ma- mass paranoia mass speculation and you know you just got to kind of sit back and you know and 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 get the information and and uh and, and and take it from there
0: oh yeah the how times have mightily changed oh boy well, one thing, one way times have mightily changed is back in the 2000s and late 90s, how the expansion draft was merely just, hey, let's pick up every single minor leaguer we can. Nowadays, though, Pat, the NHL wants to give the cards and put them in favor of the new team so they do well, which is why we have the expansion draft and why it's such a big deal here for the Seattle Kraken coming up Wednesday night. Let's look at the Minnesota Wild. We'll go to the rest of the teams later on in the show here on TKS before we get to Tony Ferrari at 7.30. We're talking here with Pat Micheletti, by the way, from KFAN 100.3, Minnesota Wild analyst. Here are the players that are protected. They went the 7-3-1 route. Yoel Eriksson-Eck, obviously, they had just recently signed him. Kevin Fiala, Marcus Foligno, Jordan Greenway, Ryan Hartman, Nico Sturm, Matt Zuccarello, who also has a no-move clause on defense. You got Brodin, Dumba Spurgeon, and, of course, the starting goaltender, Cameron Talbot. Who from that list, Pat, are you surprised based on, because obviously a couple of these guys have no moves, so they had no choice, but who on that list are you surprised is on there, and then who would you expect, because obviously I'm not I'm not going to go through the full list of unprotected players because there's obviously a few, but who do you think should be on the protected that was not, and vice versa?
1: Well, I, you know, I, I was fine with the list, you know, I mean, because everything changed after Zach and Ryan were, were bought out, you know. Exactly. You know, ton of speculation as to, you know, was it going to be Jordan Greenway? Was it going to be Matt Dumba? Um, You know, were they going to try to move Matt Dumba before they had to submit their list? So there were a lot of moving parts. Ultimately, um, you know, in looking at their current lineup and their needs, um, you know, I, I I think I think it was a fair, you know, a fair list that of the players that they protected. Um, you know, really, I think the big decision was, um, was uh, you know, were they going to protect Jordan Greenway or th- were they going to protect Carson Soucy? They ended up taking Greenway, um, and and but but kind of left that little sweetener out there by leaving in out there. So now, if you're if you're Seattle, you're kind of looking at that list and saying, hmm, you know, do do I want a, a real favorable contract? In a Carson Soucy, a big defenseman, um, you know that 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 can that can play in the National Hockey League, or do we take a backup goaltender who's young, who's um, you know was a you know AHL goaltender of the year, um, who had a pretty good rookie year with Minnesota? Um, so he kind of left them, you know, those two dangling. Then you have Victor Rask, right? Now Victor Rask makes four million dollars a year.
2: He's got one year
1: left on his deal. Um, he was uh, originally signed by Ron Francis in Carolina. Yep. All right. So there's history there.
0: And he was in the Niederreiter um, deal.
1: And yeah, correct. Yep. He was traded in the Niederreiter deal. Um, so with that familiarity, you know, does does he take a Victor Rask? Um, you know that that's uh, that's a possibility. People seem to think Kakanen or Susie. Um, you know, it, it, it is so hard to, um, you know, people just look at a list and say, huh, big name, take them, big name, take them. But these guys go through what type of team do we want to be, right? Um, you know, do we want to go top six heavy or, you know, or, or you know, what do we need, some checkers? What do we need, you know, size? Um you know all all that sort of stuff comes in what type of style are we gonna play are we gonna be an up tempo team are we gonna be you know a team that likes to sit back and counter and you know so a lot of it, a lot of different uh, scenarios go into play um you know when it when it comes to uh, selecting
0: yeah it's When we I think the I would like to think the NHL general managers learned a lot from Vegas and how George McPhee just was able to fleece, especially Florida. My goodness. First of all, he got their former coach, Jared Gallant, also was able to get Riley Smith and Jordan March, so who are still two of their best players on their team. And there is so much that goes into it because Vegas started to realize all right, we're gonna take a bunch of players that are fast, they're skilled, and they are angry that they were left on an unprotected list by their team and they're gonna play hard and you know and i think a lot of the players that are on these lists now there's a couple that i mean you could possibly look at there is some vet. you can get a veteran like nick Benino, or like you mentioned victor rask you know on the back end there's guys like ian cole and you know there's there is some certain points and certain players you can make an excuse for each player on why they'd be taken by the seattle kraken but pat you're in ron Francis' shoes on wednesday night you come up to minnesota what do you take because i've heard a lot of people say that seattle's looking to do something that vegas similarly did they took a bunch of not a bunch of goaltenders but they'll take maybe four or five and then maybe dump a couple off make some side deals off to the side to go to other teams to kind of get something back would you expect them to take a guy like kakinin because he like you mentioned he is a young goaltender and i think Seattle's more in the mindset of all right we can be good next year we'll be maybe a playoff contender but we don't need to win like vegas tried to do that first year (coughs) And, you know, who would you take from the wild that is on this unprotected list? Oh,
1: um, it's a difficult question. Uh, That being said, you know, Carson Soucy has a lot of upside still. You know, I think he's still growing into um, a quality defenseman. Uh, I don't think he realizes how how much better that he, he can be. Um, so for me and knowing today, today, um, Seattle signed Dredger from Florida to a three year deal, 3.5 million a year. So they've got one goal, you know, one goaltender. Um, but, but, you know, what you said makes a lot of sense. Here's the only, only, only caveat to that. Okay. And that is when George McPhee was, 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 um, uh, getting ready for his expansion draft he was dealing with every team in the league and, and and quite frankly he had those teams right where he wanted them and now what 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 I think some of the NHL teams have learned from that experience is that hey instead of dealing just with Seattle let's deal with each other and we've seen a bunch of moves happen uh, before the, all the lists were submitted. Uh, you know, you saw Graves going to New Jersey, for example. You know, that was one deal uh, because Graves would have been left available for Seattle to pick up, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think um, in, in what we're seeing um, of the guys that are have been uh, left for Seattle to pick from, there's a lot of high-priced guys available. Uh, Duchesne, Johansson from Nashville, Uh, You know, uh, Palat from from Tampa, Tyler Johnson from from Tampa. You know, those guys are making big, big money. Carey Price, right? Goaltender. Yeah. You know, uh, and by the way, who I would take in a heartbeat injury or no injury. Um, But but that's just me. Um, I think he's the best goaltender in the world now. So um, but but if I'm if I'm Seattle, uh, my my pick would be Carson Soucy.
0: Yeah, he, he's like you mentioned. He's got a lot of upside. He's not, he's not an old guy, but he's not a young guy. He's got that. He's in that nice little in between yeah. period. I don't know if he's at his peak yet or in his prime yet. So I think that's why Seattle would definitely want to look at a guy like him.
1: Contract is is I think that oh, 2.8 or something for the next couple of years. You know that's a real manageable number, and uh, you know, uh, you know, and and he's a guy that you know if if you do pick him up. And you know you want to make a deal at at, at playoff time. Well, you know um, he fits uh, a, a lot of teams' needs.
0: Yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting expansion draft, no question for all the teams. And we'll get to like I said a little bit later on with the protect list, especially talking about Carey Price and Mark Bergeron's yeah. attempted gamesmanship. Uh, but let's a couple more things before we let you go here, Pat. Let's talk about next season a little bit here. Obviously we don't know what's gonna happen on Wednesday and Thursday at one o'clock is when the next round of or when the the roster freezes over with. So we may see those side deals come to the surface if there are any, which guarantee you they're gonna be. Oh, but yeah. but let's kind of just take a quick look and next year Minnesota moves back to the Central Division. And we talked with Laura, Astorian, who covers the St. Louis Blues for St. Louis Game Time last week, and she's terrified that her blues are going back into the central division because mm obviously you got minnesota and like you said if you like you mentioned capri is coming back you keep your starting goaltender you hopefully can keep both because that's a great tandem right there in kakinen and, and cam talbot you got winnipeg in there as well back coming back down into the states dallas i think if you can get consistency with them and not give them covid twice in a season i think they'll be okay nashville is uh, on the wayside obviously we saw the move with ryan ellis going to philadelphia And you have Chicago who, with Jonathan Taves coming back, and you know the goaltending situation may be a little funky over there, but I think they're going to be a team that will be a little bit better. And then, of course, you have the big dog in Colorado. Arizona coming over from the west of the Seattle, taking the spot in the Pacific. But where do you see Minnesota at this moment? Obviously, like we said, still the rest of the offseason to go here, but where do you see Minnesota stacking up against the rest of the Central? Because the more I look into it, the more I see the teams that are there now, Colorado beside, because I feel like Colorado is going to be that best regular season. They're going to be San Jose for a couple more years. Great regular season team. Don't know if they can do on well the playoffs. We'll have to wait and see. But the rest of that central seems to be for the taking, Pat.
1: Well, it really is. And, you know, and and you know, the big question, Tyler, is what are we getting out of some of these teams, right? I mean, they were locked in their divisions last year, yep. you, know, you know, and and they just played each other right? Minnesota didn't play Chicago. Um, You know, they, they didn't, uh, they didn't play Dallas. They didn't play Nashville. Um, So it, 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 you know, you, you kind of got into that rhythm. Okay. Of, you know, Minnesota handled Vegas during the regular season better than any team in the division. Right. Yep. But, and, and sometimes teams just have the, you know, a certain team's number. Now, you know, you're going to have, you know, you're, you're, you're getting back to normal. So we don't know, you know, and you ask yourself, well, how good was Minnesota, right? How good was, uh, how good was Dallas? How, you know, so you you don't really know. It's going to be really, um, really interesting to see uh, what, you know, how these teams match up against other teams again. And so, um, it's really, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting uh, uh, to say the least. I, I really don't know. I'm, 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 I'm really looking forward to, to seeing, you know, if the growth we saw in Minnesota this past year, you know, continues forward with, uh, with us getting back to the so-called normal situation.
0: What is normal, Pat? That's a, that's yeah, a different word. Yeah, n- I don't know. <laughs> Normal's never been a thing here, no. uh, especially on the, especially in hockey i there's i, I learned stuff every day both good and bad yeah um, before I let you go your pat we got to talk a little bit about the college puck here and yes I, so and it comes and i kind of just off the cuff here two-part question here one part is how much of a difference do you think because he this guy has made it clear he wants to go back to school for one more year even though he's going to be the number one overall pick most likely we'll talk with tony ferrari in that about a little over an hour yeah. but owen power possibly coming back to michigan he seems pretty set on i heard him on hockey central today seems like he wants to go back to school give himself a normal college year it sounds like yeah. do you how does that help michigan who has three prospects in this sure. year's draft that possibly can go to the top 10 how do you think that helps them stack up against the rest of the big 10 heading into the next season
1: well i tell you what they're gonna they're, they're gonna be loaded there, there is no doubt about it. If if they're not the number one team in the country, they'll be number two or number three. Um, you know, they're they're all going to be a year older. And um, you know, regarding Owen Power, listen, i, I think if he, I think it's a, the smartest move in the world for him to come back for another year. Uh, listen, you know, we just look at the previous number ones, right? Lafreniere. Uh, you know, you can even throw Kako in there uh, from from the Ranger who went number two, um, you know, Hughes from New Jersey. It, it takes a while for guys to get acclimated to the league. Uh, you're playing with grown men. Just, you know, it's, it's, it's a bigger step than, than some people realize. And, and I think another year can do nothing but but help him. Um, it, it's really going to help Michigan you know Johnson Bernier's coming back uh, uh you know they 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 did lose um the goaltender to to Sweden uh man yep. who's who was a really good goaltender so um you know i, I listen they they they're, they're, they're going to be a power there's 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 no doubt in my mind and and you know Mel Pearson does such a good job behind the bench there so um you know it, they 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 should be excited no doubt about it
0: i am it's I look at that team and I, first of all, I'm trying to think of the last time three players from one school. I mean, who knows if Johnson falls out of the top 10, it's a possibility, but I'm trying to think of the last time there were three players from one college, junior teams, international teams, whatever, but one school that got drafted in the first round. I'm trying to think of the last time that ever happened, Pat. I,
1: I, I don't know. And, uh, you know, and that's a, you know, testament to the recruiting job that, uh, that Mel does there and the staff and, and, um, you know, they're, they're, they're just – and and they're all worthy of being number one picks. I mean, you know, they they are uh, some really, really good hockey players, as you very well know. So uh, if they do come back, and I and I think that all three will, um, you yeah, know, they'll be a fun team to watch.
0: I'm pretty sure as soon as you said Mel Pearson, I heard from, even from all the way from Houghton, Michigan, about four or five people groaning about Mel Pearson. Oh, and I, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what a
1: good job he did there, too.
0: Back back in the normal days, Pat, the original normal, I went to the GLI in 2019, and in, in at Little Caesars Arena, the final yep. was Michigan versus Michigan Tech, and the I ne- and having gone to the GLI a couple of times, I realized that the Husky faithful, they'll come either down from Houghton or wherever they're from to come watch yep. this it's a big tournament for them. Boy, it may have been only 15,000 in that barn in LCA, but boy, oh boy, when they announced Mel Pearson's name everyone that was not wearing maize and blue let them let their feelings know about Mel Pearson. There's still some, still some hostility. That's what we love about college hockey, Pat.
1: Yeah. Oh, you know what? You know, that, that, that's what's so great about, about college hockey. I mean, you know, Michigan Tech is great. Fan. I mean, Michigan has great fans. Every team the the loyalty to their program is off the charts. I mean, I will, I will tweet something about a team and, you know, I, the next next thing I know, I've got, you know, a hundred replies saying, well, this or that or blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it, it, it's just wonderful uh, that the passion that we have uh, for, for college hockey, it's, uh, it's terrific.
0: Especially in the land of 10,000 lakes, Pat, where yeah. the new, new kids on the block this year, St. Thomas joins
1: the revamped
0: the yes. CCHA, Bemidji State, Minnesota State, a part of that. Who in your eyes, because Dryden McKay is coming back for the Mavericks yeah and after an incredible year he's going for that shutout record of ryan miller's the career record who is the best team in minnesota heading into this year you got the golden gophers who had a good run there towards the end jack lafontaine had an incredible year in net you have minnesota duluth who made it back to the frozen four albeit they only had to play one game they would have played michigan i don't know how that game would have gone you and i had the nice back and forth about that St. Cloud, of course, was the team that made it to the national championship. Unfortunately, ran into a UMass team of destiny. Who comes out of Minnesota as the best team this year? I don't know if you want to judge that based on tournament play or just overall season record. Who is the best team in Minnesota heading into 21, 22?
1: Well, you know, always the the diplomat that I am, always uh, um, uh, straggling the, the fence, if you will. Um if you look at, you know, let's take Minnesota Duluth, right? Um, I always start the year with Minnesota Duluth by saying, don't worry about them until March. Hmm. Um, because come March, they are ready to play. And they are dialed in and they make a run. They're very nondescript during the year. And they just methodically go about their game. Um, uh, looking at Minnesota, um, oodles and oodles of talent and 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 getting lafontaine back is is going to be uh you know uh you know just huge for them i think minnesota has the best set of defensemen in college hockey uh their top four are as good as anybody um you know they need to find a little bit more scoring up front now um minnesota state with with mckay coming back you know they play a system that just drives you crazy and uh and, people
0: call it boring i call it interesting
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well call it what you want but but it works and and they all buy in and and uh so they're going to be awfully awfully good um and in saint cloud state i i would put them at the top of the heap right now and they might be the number one team in the country they have everybody coming back yeah. um, and my fear with with them is because um, they're getting a lot of older guys back too which is good and which may be not so good. Um, in, in, in just in terms of understanding that everything is not going to just fall in their lap, that they're going to have to work harder than they did a year ago. Now, this is a team that's skilled, but they're not overly skilled. This is a team that's fast, but not overly fast. Um, this is a team that has some size, but they're not the biggest team in the world. Okay, so they have to go in with the same mindset that hey we're the underdog uh you know and and we got to work harder than we did the year you know this past year to get to where they where they really want to get to and that's winning the national championship so i think they can do that if they have that mindset
0: yeah and it's it's such a the nchc as much as some people out east just knock it from like oh my gosh it can't be that tough well it's (laughs) It just seems like it gets tougher every single year you watch. Because you mentioned Duluth, you say wait till March. There were some points, and I remember I was covering it for the hockey writers, I'm like, man, Minnesota Duluth is bad this year, and all of a sudden they're in the Frozen Four. Yeah, just goes well, to, goes to show.
1: Yeah, I I have my 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 theories. You know, I I always battle on, uh, you know, with with people regarding the leagues. Listen, in my opinion, every league is good. Every league is good. Um, there's parity in every in every league. And, um, uh, on any given night, any of those teams can win. Now, you know, the, the new CCHA, yeah, you know, Minnesota state has been at the top Bowling Green, you know, those teams have been at the top tech at, at times. Um, but, but in reality, you know, uh, you know, they, they play each other hard and, 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 and that's the thing. And then the same goes for, for, uh, the NCHC, you know, uh, you look at bottom feeders and you'll say, well, Miami, the last couple of years, Colorado college, the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, those teams also um, have the ability on a nightly uh, on a nightly basis to win games. And, and uh, you know, that's the way I see it. Uh, you know, I, I just think we're blessed in college hockey now because we have so many good coaches. The, the, pl- the player pool as um, has developed where, you know, all teams now have, you know, three lines and and, and some even a fourth line that can play. So uh, it's uh, it, it's a just uh, – it, it's a, it's it's great all the way around.
0: Well, you can have that many guys on a team that scores 10 goals. And you mentioned the NCHC, how Colorado College and Miami. I remember Western Michigan at one point, like, during the bubble last year, I'm like, oh, this could be a team that could be – you know, they, 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 they could be okay. And then there will be one night they lose – they give up 10 goals. And I'm just like, yeah. how – College hockey, Pat.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, listen. Uh, you know, that's the thing. Uh, you know, I, I used to tell people. You know, got it. Yeah, I wasn't a great practice player, but you you would you would just you have to find a way to get yourself prepared to play on a Friday night and a Saturday night. That's how it was way you know back in the day. We played Friday and Saturdays pretty much now too. You know, although the odd dates here and there. But you know, some nights, you know, you you don't have five, six, seven guys that are mentally ready to play and and that's what happens and uh and we, we can't forget these are 17 18 and 19 year old guys some a little bit older but uh but but it happens
0: yeah they it, it's uh it's so interesting cuz you know junior is yeah. fun to watch i know a lot of people love it and but those are 16 you know 16 17 18 19 year olds like you mentioned but then college you can get up to the guys that are 23 24 years old like dang near men that's why some of them are so ready for pro hockey just because hey I've been developed my body and I can go play up against men because, well, I am one.
1: That's yeah, just how right. it works. I mean, it, it yeah, I mean, you, you hit it right on the head. You know, a 23-year-old playing against a 17-year-old, um, that's a big difference. Oh, yeah. That's a big, big difference, not only from a physical standpoint, but also from the mental standpoint of, of um, you know, understanding, you know, um, taking care of yourself, being ready, uh, you know, being more mature, uh, you know, all those things play a big, big factor
0: in in uh, in the growth of uh, of players. Yeah, it's 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 what makes college hockey so much fun. I can't wait yeah. for next season, whenever it starts. They, it sounds like it started on time. The schedules have been released. I'm excited yeah. to see all the teams, not just the ones in Minnesota, Pat. I'm sorry, I got to watch them all. Got to watch all the guys there on like Flow Hockey, BTN Plus. I got to get it all for next season. because It's going to be fun. Yep. Yeah. We, we it, go ahead. Oh, let's say you go and, go ahead there, yeah. Pat.
1: No, I just uh, I agree. I'm 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 pumped for it. I can't wait uh, till October fourth. I think is my first game. So, uh, oh boy, yep,
0: it'll be a whole hoop and another. Uh, obviously, October is pro hockey, NHL as well. But college hockey is going to be back. It's going to be a full force. Junior hockey, I know it's a little bit different, especially in Canada, but it's going to be back as well. We'll be back to the new new normal. I think we can yeah. call it Pat. But let's hope right let's hope indeed we've been chatting here with pat mccoletti he is a minnesota wild analyst and college hockey analyst for the land of 10,000 lakes as well you can follow him at pat mick 2626 there on twitter pat thanks again for coming on man it's always a joy talking puck with you whether it be the nhl college puck it's always a blast
1: you got it anytime tyler thank you for having me
0: and we'll be back with more of the cool show right after this And welcome back to The Kewl Show, everyone. Tyler Kewl here on this Monday, July 19th. Two days away from the Seattle expansion draft. Guys, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. It is here. I'm so happy. Makes me happy. Doesn't make you happy. We have a new team on the block, new kids on the block there in Seattle. They're going to get cracking on Wednesday night. I'm so proud of myself, I said that. Before we get to the transactions over the crazy weekend that was... I do want to um we should definitely mention the awesome news today obviously there's plenty of news to talk about this is the national hockey league this is hockey this is silly season hashtag silly season in full swing however one thing that is it's just great news the fact that it came out today it was a great way to start off the week in my eyes Luke Prokop who is a defenseman He is a prospect of the National Predators, currently one of the alternate captains for the Calgary Hitmen of the Western Hockey League. He announced today on Twitter and on Instagram as well that he's come out as a gay man. And it, guys, you know when you wake up in the morning and you feel like you're just going to have an awful day, you ever just feel like you just don't want to get up and see the world? When I saw that tweet get retweeted, I didn't didn't follow Luke before today When I saw that tweet and then the ensuing piece By Pierre LeBron on The Athletic I stopped what I was doing I stopped at work I remember I sat there on my phone and I'm working in the newsroom And one of our other anchors looks at me and says Ty what are you doing? I'm like I'm reading the best news I'm going to hear all week Because The bravery of this kid This 19 year old kid To come out And say and be brave and be the first ever hockey player signed under a pro contract to come out as gay is awesome news. Hockey is for everyone. It's not just a hashtag. It's not just a you can play. It's not just an organization. It is a phrase that stands true. Hockey is for everyone. And a guy like Luke Prokop, I it's it was such an awesome story i started to listen to the 31 thoughts podcast before the show i can only get about halfway through it but just hearing how how calm he was about everything like this is a 19 year old kid he just started to be able to allow to legally drink in canada and here he is making a mark on the game of hockey not just today not just tomorrow but for the rest of time now for those that don't remember just a few weeks ago there was the first professional major of the major sports to come out as gay. The first NFL player. And of course, for those that don't remember, that's Carl Nassib. We talked about it here on the show how awesome it was and said, and I remember I said, I'm like, this is gonna be the first of many. This is number two. The steps are in the right direction. And just the fact he was able to come out and do so. And of course, it went through the through the stages. He obviously talked to his family first. His sister was the f- person he said that he first brought it up to and mentioned how and he came out and i tell you guys it's it's so cool to to see this because now barriers are being broken obviously yes in the women's game this is a huge deal or this is a big deal as well but women's it's it's a lot more open in the women's game the men's game it's it's not there is there was always the hesitancy now people remember the story of brock mcgillis who came out after his playing days in the nhl were over with but this is a guy a kid I, he's an adult but he's still so young and you know he mentioned that he could go on to a Norris trophies whatever he can be a champion forever it does not mean the same as just playing maybe one game but changing the game for others Willie O'Ree only played a handful of games in the National Hockey League but his impact on the game will forever be remembered as the first African-American to play hockey or the first of African descent to play hockey now luke prokop is going to be the first player first professional hockey player he's probably going to go back to calgary next season in the whl but he's now going to be the first player to play professional hockey who's an actively gay man and it's so awesome because you know and i know this i know this from talking to people in confidence that there are other players that are like him that have always been too afraid that have always been scared have always felt that they were going to be judged based on who they were and how someone else may thought you know what that's not good now yes if you read the comments the majority of them were positive oh my goodness the feedback was awesome there were some yes that were those people out there that unfortunately make it difficult for guys like Luke to come out and be open about their selves and be who they want to be be them true selves but the amount of people and that's why I say the majority of the comments i saw instagram twitter facebook whatever majority of them were positive and accepting and showing how they were inspired by him and telling him praising him for doing something more brave than the rest of us is who luke prokop is today that's why it's awesome that's why this story is so important that's why i have to mention it and i'm probably going to mention it again and again because the fact that this kid stepped up and said this is who I am and this is who I want everyone to know I am that right there is what's going to change this world this is the steps that change this world for the better people this is what it's this is why we mention. this is why we bring people on who are more involved with the game. You know, we had Nathan Strauss on from UMass. He is a very huge supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. I myself am. I mean, this is why we talk about it, to keep the conversation going. So more and more people are not afraid of revealing to, whether it be their family, their friends, their teammates, who they are, of who they truly are. That's why this story should stay spread and should be the conversation of the week. Will it be the top of the headlines? Maybe not, but the conversation will continue and it's slowly progressing and we're going to see more and more people that are not afraid to tell people, hey, I am gay, I am lesbian. People are, some people are scared of doing that. And there still will be. This is not going to be an overnight change, but guys like Lou Prokop who have the bravery and the guts to come out and do it is awesome. It's what it's what hockey needs. It's what sports need. It's what this world needs. And I applaud from all of us here at the Kula Show, Luke Prokop, for coming out as a gay man. I am proud of him. I congratulate you, Luke. You are a much better man at 19 than I certainly was. And I guarantee you a lot of you viewing and listening right now can attest to the same thing. Congratulations, Luke Prokop. Now, moving along let's get to the psychotic weekend that was bigger than the trade deadline itself was this past weekend and you guys remember when we talked with pat just a few minutes ago by the way if you missed that interview it's okay you can catch it on the ql show youtube channel or your favorite podcatcher tomorrow i say that as people are probably listening to the podcast right now say well what do you think i'm doing tyler okay i get it okay i'm sorry i know you are already on the podcatcher but some people that are probably just tuning in here on 12 ounce sports don't know that so let's let's kind of dive in because he mentioned how a lot of the teams made trades that were more or less side deals to make sure that they can protect and unprotect the players they want now the fur the big trade that he mentioned we'll get through the buyouts or there's a couple other buyouts and of course some wave and a no move clauses ryan graves going to new jersey was probably the biggest maybe the second biggest we'll get to the other one later colorado's receiving mikhail Malsev and a 2021 second round pick so Colorado, believe it or not, may get the betterment of the deal if Ryan Graves is not picked up by the New Jersey Devils. If we have time, so I realize we may run out of time here today on the Kula Show. We may go overtime. We'll see. But who they may pick, we may not do the full pick of the team today, but Ryan Graves being over there now give it gave Colorado an opportunity to protect less play or a a certain amount of players that they need to protect obviously they went the 7-3-1 route there's a lot of great talent on that Colorado team and they want to stay consistent and Ryan Graves as good of a defensive defenseman as he was plus minus leader as a rookie by the way I should mention for Ryan Graves Colorado didn't want to have to protect him or didn't want to have to worry about making that decision so instead of losing him for nothing they end up getting something for free now Ryan Graves may not get picked up by New Jersey we'll have to wait and see which means New Jersey may get a solid asset over there arguably the second biggest deal is ryan ellis going to the philadelphia flyers nashville ends up getting philip myers and nolan patrick nolan patrick though gets flipped to vegas for cody glass cody glass who i don't want to use the word bust but he has not really meant his potential as in a sixth overall pick nolan patrick unfortunately he's never been able to find his footing injuries have haunted him since being drafted number two after nico heeshire a couple years back 2016 I believe the draft was or 2017 excuse me Ryan Ellis going to Philadelphia obviously it helps because that means you don't have to worry about Nashville David Po doesn't have to worry about protecting him but it is vital that Philadelphia that or Nashville got the players they wanted Ryan Ellis was obviously out of the equation and Ryan Ellis can be a big part of this Philadelphia Flyers team a team that expected to do well last season and didn't they want to improve they want to be better they want to have a more solid defense and now you know Shane Gosper we you know we mentioned how he's kind of fall off the wayside now you can get that right-handed shot defenseman who can be an offensive weapon on the back end that's really going to help bolster the blue line for the Philadelphia Flyers you got to like that move good solid move there coming out of Philly other trades that were made Nick Letty going to Detroit Islanders getting Richard Panic and a 2021 second round pick now yes the uh it's so weird how nick letty came in and it seems like the islanders got the betterment of the deal i get nick letty can be kind of a mark Stahl figure back there for the red wings but how in the world does lou lamorello convince steve eiserman to take on that contract in full and also give up a draft pick in the process i know stevie eiserman likes to be i don't say questionable but likes to beat go to the beat of his own drum but this is a confusing maneuver from the Red Wings standpoint picking up another old guy defenseman who's probably on the wayside of his career the back nine for sure probably on 17 at this point and giving up a draft pick that I don't want to say you need but when you're a team that's rebuilding you want all draft picks you can get the Red Wings are eons away from being a team that gives up those high-end draft picks for a playoff push especially for a guy like Nick Letty so we'll see how that works out in Motown. Barclay Goudreau his signing rights going to the New York Rangers this one obviously showing that the bottom six for the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be much different next season Barclay Goudreau goes to Tampa Bay for literally a 2022 seventh round pick pretty much saying listen uh we we can't we can't afford him we're not gonna be able to sign him you want to take him sure give us a crap pick in return but hey at least we got something instead of nothing for Barclay Goudreau uh, jerry mccann going to toronto from pittsburgh pittsburgh gets 2023 2023 7th round pick once again pittsburgh doesn't want to protect him leafs are going to lose zach hyman they're going to lose a couple other players it's going to be it's going to be a quite the changeover for the leafs so why not get maybe a depth piece they have to worry about later on jason dickinson going to vancouver dallas gets the 2021 third round pick aiden hill to san jose aiden hill one of the few goaltenders that's going to be around possibly at least supposedly for Arizona. He goes to San Jose, Arizona, gets goaltender Joseph Cronar and a 2022 second round pick. Those were the big trades over the weekend. A couple big re signings Brandon Carlo, or at least from last week, Brandon Carlo, 6 by 4one mil with the Boston Bruins, keeping him there on that back end because obviously it's getting lighter and lighter back there in Beantown. Andy Green talking about a blue line, staying strong for the Islanders. He's a little bit older, but he's only making 750K that is obviously important for maintaining the veteran status in this Islanders team. Obviously, we got to wait on Travis Sajak and Kyle Palmieri. That's obviously for a later date to be mentioned or signed. Obviously, they're going to have to wait until after the expansion draft to worry about that. Florida Panthers signing a couple of guys back. Gustav Forslund, three years at $2.666666666666666666 million 1000000 dollars and the, probably the big one, a guy that bet on himself last year, signing a one-year contract, represents himself, doesn't need no stinking agent. He wants all the money for himself. He's getting it. a pay raise for Anthony Duclair. Three years at three mil. Really had a good bounce back year for Florida last year. I can't wait to see what he does. Back in the Atlantic Division, where Florida stacks up, it's going to be interesting. Tampa's going to be a little bit lighter. Boston's getting older. They don't have a goaltender signed yet. So who knows? And obviously Toronto... You may not do well against Toronto during the regular season, but you meet him in the playoffs, you'll meet him just fine. The big contract, though, Miro Heiskinen. eight by $8.45 million with the Dallas Stars. Jim Nils said to himself, boys, we are not letting this kid even get a whiff of an offer sheet. We're signing him right here and now. Sign on that dotted line there, young man. Electronic signature, whatever you want to do, sign it. And he did. Miro Heiskanen is going to be on the blue line for a long time there in Dallas and like I said I mentioned with Pat Dallas they are a better team than I think they were last year now yes Ben Bishop chose to waive his no move clause then again he didn't even play at all last year wouldn't be shocked if Dallas moves on from Ben Bishop at some point but Heiskanen staying around I listen Dallas with him Klingberg back there they're going to be a team to be reckoned with no question about it i can't wait to see what this kid continues to do because i don't think he's his even at his prime yet that's how good mirror heiskanen is a couple of the no move clause by the way keith yandel also got bought out by the way that was the other big buyout last week 2.3 million plus for the next year over five million dollars next year is the buyout costing florida panthers by the way so Keith Yandel is a free agent I'm not, not sure if Seattle is going to want to take a chance on another defenseman obviously someone has to sign him though keep the Iron Man streak alive for Keith Yandel the big no wave no no wave the no move clause waves of the week Jeff Skinner his nine million dollar cap hit that was waived by the Buffalo Sabres he did it with the Buffalo Sabres obviously he doesn't care to be there anymore Ben Bishop who did not like I mentioned did not play last year I don't as good as he was, like I mentioned, guys, he is made of glass. I've said it hundred thousand times before. 2019 was a great postseason for Ben Bishop. But as we learned last year, he is not the most reliable goaltender to stay healthy. I don't think Seattle, I don't see Seattle taking a chance with him. But the big fish at 10.5 mil AAV, carry Price, ladies and gentlemen. Karen's Price the First, as I like to call him. Now, this one has a lot of to it because remember, of course, the news came out a couple weeks ago that Shea Weber may need possibly season ending surgery for next season just because he was playing with just a broken down body during the playoffs and then the finals. People are like, oh, he looks hurt. Well, he was. And so you wonder how that's gonna affect the team. And now there's whispers. Nothing confirmed that Kerry confirm Price may have an issue with his hip and his knee. I, I will say this Carey Price in the finals whether just because he just didn't get comfortable he just didn't look like Carey Price in the first three rounds I don't know if actually anything happened to him but he did not look like himself in the finals let's be honest kids then again neither did the Montreal Canadiens minus that game two the game two loss to Tampa so yeah I, I don't know I don't know if Carey was actually hurt yeah he, show, he flashed some brilliance throughout the series no question but this I, for me, this is games and shit by Carey Price. I wonder if there was a side deal that was going along for the Seattle Kraken. It, it's it's in, it's insane to think though that Carey Price may not be a Montreal Canadian. And I get and here's the thing: the cap hits huge. It's huge. It's ten and a half million dollars. That's why I think that it's okay that Carey Price waived it because now he gets to protect Jake Allen because if jake allen was left in the open no question seattle's taking him because he had a great year last year and a much more favorable cap hit compared to a carry price and now of course you signed chris Drieger at three years as pat mentioned as well from the florida panthers so they have one goaltender and i don't know what seattle's plan is it's three and a half million dollars is the aav estimation by good boy elliot friedman buddy Frege, tweeting that out here today yet i wonder if ron francis calls the bluff i personally i wouldn't it's because reason why for me it's the cap hit as good as Carey price may be hurt or not i get it he's a great goaltender and he could do some good stuff for you for the next couple of years but he's not mark andre flurry where he can just find the fountain of youth that roberto longo somehow left down in florida and drink from it and be a vesna winner i don't see that with Carey price i don't think and it's it's tough because i don't first of all i don't want to see Kerry price in another uniform this coming from a lease fan a guy that has watched Kerry price for his entire career through the tribulations of 2010 and yarrow Halak going to be the number one to carrie price getting booed during the preseason game the following year to all of a sudden becoming a vesna winner a heart trophy winner all world goaltender gold medal winner world cup winner the whole shebang i can't see him wearing another sweater it would be painful now, yes, I've heard that some in there's could be in some forms that they could pick them up and then flip them to someone else and retain. I I don't know who would take him. Cause even if you're able to retain if Seattle say Seattle takes him and retains in a trade with someone else, that's four million dollars because no one's gonna take eight mil on a goaltender who is getting up there in the age. I'm not saying I mean it's it's pretty much presumed that Kerry Price, as good as he was last year in the playoffs and is If he had a decent final, he would have been the Conn Smythe winner, even if they lost that series Montreal did. He's on the back nine of his career as well. He's going towards the end. He sees the peak has been reached, the prime has been passed. Carey Price is on the downside of his career. Who's going to take a goaltender like that for $6 million? It's so hard in today's market. When the $10.5 million contract was signed by Carey Price, he's like, sweet, I know this ain't going to last forever. Sign it now and pay me. Because Carey Price knew that he's got hey he's got three three kids now and by the way according to his wife all three of them their first words were data so Carey Price is 3-0 against his wife but no question I, I I can't wait to see what happens on Wednesday because if Berger if van loses him if if Ron Francis steps up and says Carey Price I will tell you this I, I'll lose I will we're gonna get the curfew boys back on from, from right before we had before the finals remember those guys oh we're gonna get him on because there needs to be a heart-to-heart or something because I, I don't know i don't see that move happening based on the fact that it's money but then again i wouldn't be surprised if ron francis says you know we could flip him you know if you, if you go with chris reger it's fine and then all of a sudden you bring in carry price and if you can't flip him for a certain deal all of a sudden you have carry price who's a good goaltender Staying in in Seattle. It's uh, Wednesday night's gonna be interesting, guys. All right. So we have a few minutes left here on the CUEL show. Let's start making our picks. I think we'll have enough time after Tony Ferrari, who's coming up here in about 10 minutes time here on 12 on Sports. Let's do this. Let's do our own expansion draft, the TKS expansion draft Extraordinaire. Using our good friends at catfriendly.com for this. We'll start off with the Anaheim Ducks. Who can you pick? Anthony Stoller is the own goaltender. I'm going to be quick here with these. I'm going to take, man, Adam Henrik's making 5.825. I can't pick up that contract. Hayden Fleury, though, on the back end only making 1.3, a good young defenseman. I would not mind that deal whatsoever. However, Kevin Shattenkirk at 3.9 is not too bad. Uh, We're going Kevin Shattenkirk, kids. It's a bad bad idea, but we're taking him uh arizona coyotes they have a couple good looking players i man tyler Steenbergen. he was so good coming out of junior it's a bummer to see what happened to him alex golagoski there on the back end but that's five and a half million dollars this may be a straight up like thrifty dutch team i'm about to pick here goaltenders they're all open but of course you have to worry about ufas as well kevin check okay Uh, kevin Shattenkirk. yeah he's not a ufa next year because you don't want to pick a ufa for no reason because you can just sign them later uh you know what i'm gonna look at the back end there at Arizona, there's really nothing much to look at. That's the hard part. A lot of our UFA is Goligoski, Dalmerson, who's gone though. Jason Demers, you can sign those guys later. All their goaltenders that they did not protect. darcy Kemper, they protected. anti Ranta is on the back end. He's a UFA though. Let's take on. Oh man, gosh, I don't know, man. This is a bad team to pick from. uh You know what? I don't want to pick Derek as a UFA. Gosh Almighty this is harder than i thought man we're only on arizona here kids let's uh, let's take tyler Pitlick, i guess because he's uh, he's got another year of his contract going to boston here david crates ufa taylor hall's ufa andre cases is an rfa nick richie's an rfa chris wagner sean Crowley, curtis lazar he's a ufa next year though greg mckay uh, let's go down the list here who we got on the back end kevin miller well, kevin miller retired uh, Connor Clifton's UFA, Jeremy Lowe's. oh my goodness, this is so hard. Uh, both Raskin Hallocker UFAs. C- you'd be so dumb to waste a pick with a UFA though. Sean Crowley is at a UFA. Gosh Almighty. I Nick Ritchie, I guess you can get his signing rights unless you. Oh man, I ah. You know we're going on the back end. We're going defense. We're going. Uh, i'm going connor clifton Ugh, connor clifton that's a tough one uh buffalo the word yikes children goes with the buffalo sabers just because of the players they were able to pick oh man this is getting hard i thought all right i gotta go off in one minute here so we're gonna start out we're gonna probably have to stop here after buffalo gosh colin miller colin Miller is not a bad defenseman dustin takarski is the only goaltender they have signed through next year Oh man, they have so many UFAs. I'm not taking kyle Pose. We will not do that. Cody Eakin is not a bad pick. You know, let's do Cody Eakin. Sorry, Jeff Skinner at $9 million. I can't do it. Can't get myself to do it. Uh I guess we have time for one more. We got Calgary next. Not taking Milan Lucic. I'm not stupid. Uh Josh Lebell's UFA. Gosh, though, they have so many UFAs. Do I take Mark Giordano at 6.75? That's the question we have, kids, because on the back end our goaltending, they only have Tyler Parsons and Louis Domingue uh nikita nestrow is also a ufa gosh almighty you know what i'm taking mark giordano why because i need some you need some veteran defenseman Derek england for goodness sakes vegas took him and we'll pause there folks we'll take a pause there when we come back we'll get into the entry draft the nhl draft that comes up this weekend after the seattle expansion draft where probably more trades will be made because after the roster freeze ends on thursday we're gonna be joined by tony ferrari joining us here on the cue show to get you set for the NHL Entry Draft Coming up right after this here on The Kewel Show Back with more right after this And welcome back to The QL Show Everyone, Tyler Cule, the insider To the insiders Here on this Monday, July 19th Here on The Kewel Show here on 12 Ounce Sports Guys, in a couple days Yes, the Seattle Expansion Draft Will take place, and it'll be awesome It'll be fun, and people will yell and scream On Twitter as they always love to However, just a couple days after that is going to be the NHL entry draft. And with that, because I, unfortunately, guys, I was wrong on all my picks last year. I thought Lucas Raymond was going to be outside the top 10. And ever since that happened, I have not forgiven myself. So we're going to bring in someone that knows a thing or two about this sort of thing. He is everyone's favorite ball draft analyst. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Tony Ferrari. Tony, how are we doing, man?
2: Oh, I am good. I'm good. Happy to be here.
0: Tony, it is, you know, I should probably mention the folks. The reason why Tony was such an important guest for me is because Tony and I go back a few years. Tony and I each got our, I guess, our big breaks, if you will, writing for Puck 77. Remember those days, Tony? Oh, yeah. And with Josh Tesler and the gang. Oh, man. We we were this ragtag group of guys that just pounded out a bunch of words. I was tasked with covering the CHL, even though I had no business doing that. And it was a lot of fun. And Tony has gone on to do awesome things covering draft doing awesome scouting work for various organizations tony and we tried to get you last year it didn't quite work out so well we tried to get you there before i think didn't work out so well either but here we are now and how excited for you for the nhl entry draft
2: coming up this week uh, i'm excited because I'm, I'm ready for it to be over almost this is a weird year because there isn't that superstar at the top of the draft and it feels longer. It feels like a long year because of this pandemic and everyone's been watching everyone on video. And I I think everyone's just tired of this. I think we all want We know next season is going to be a little bit more normal and everyone's just ready to get there. And this draft class is going to suffer a little bit because people aren't as favorable on it. But I I think everyone's excited to finally get there. The draft, it's a month later than normal. So we're even still delayed that way, but it's going to be a ton of fun. I think. I, I'm
0: so ex- I'm so excited too, and you're right. It does feel like this really long year, and I was when we had Pat McIlleedy on earlier. It just feels like we're gonna snap our fingers, and it's gonna be tw- the 21-22 season all over again. But well, let's dive in here, Tony. And I, I pulled up the the Dauber Prospects uh recent rankings because you were part of the ranking period for those guys. And I I the first thing you notice, people, because everyone's saying Owen oh, Power, Owen oh, Power, Owen oh, Power, but ye- up there at the top was another Michigan Wolverine, but his name is not Owen Power. It's Maddie Beneers. Why do you think Maddie Beneers was the number one guy on your guys' list?
2: I think it's just the combination of the floor and the ceiling with this kid. You, you look at him and you go, man, he's going to be a, a good two-way center that's going to, at worst, be a second-line guy. You just you picture him and you're like, that's a Dylan Larkin style of player. That's a, a guy that's maybe not that true number one center, but this draft doesn't have that true number one center. It doesn't have that true number one defenseman. I, I don't think. And, and so with Matty Benares, there's that level of safety with the fact that we're all pretty sure where he's going to be, be as a, a 1B center or a two, 2 center. And top six centers are hard to come by. We, when you talk about Owen Power, we kind of look at him and we go, man, like everyone loves the height. The six foot six. every time you step on the ice, every coach says it. It's one of the funnest things. And the fact of the matter is he also skates really well. He's an excellent mobile player. He skates with a head of steam going straight line. Great. The issues we have kind of with power has always been, does some of his decision-making kind of weigh out at the next level? Does the fact that when he goes back to retrieve a puck, when they dump it in and try to forecheck, he doesn't have a very high panic threshold. He, he sees the forecheck come in, he kind of pins it up against the boards and hopes someone else comes and bails him out. So there's these little tiny things with him. And even when you look at his strength, where he is such a good skater, he's, he's an excellent skater, especially when he's puck rushing up the ice. You see him go blow through the neutral zone, and you're like, wow, that's a special player. And then the problem is sometimes he ends up in the corner. And I think uh, anyone that's watched the Toronto Maple Leafs knows what Kasperi Kapanen is known for. Flying up the ice, sitting in the corner and going, I have no clue what to do now. And and Owen Power has a little bit of that in him, and despite the fact that he's a defenseman. So I think it's just with him, if he can mature another year, I think there's eight players in this draft, 10 players in this draft that realistically have a shot to be the best player. And I think with Owen Power, if you let him go back to Michigan a year, that's a guy that really has a chance to be that number one player in this draft.
0: Yeah. And it, he's going to be something. We talk with Pat McLeoddy as well. He's like, oh, Michigan's just going to be lethal this year. Mm-hmm. And because another guy they have in there is Kent Johnson. And we were honestly trying to figure out Tony, I don't know if you did the research on this, but we're, we're like befuddled. Like when was the last time a universe, an American university had, three guys go in the first round because there are sometimes you see junior teams and obviously a couple of years ago we saw the national development program the u.s national development program absolutely lambast the first round of the NHL draft but this in itself is so rare to have three guys on the same team the same time going in the first round of the draft
2: and it's not only that but it's it's three guys who could potentially go in the top 10 of the draft And then if you want to throw Luke Hughes in there because he's a Michigan commit, he'll be going there next year. That's four guys who are likely going to be top 10, top 12 picks. And you're like all from the same school, like all four probably will be back next year. I think Owen Power is the one uncertainty, but he's mentioned already that he's he wants to go back to have a normal school year and have a normal season. And honestly, he probably wants to develop. He knows what he is. Right. He's not a a dumb kid by any means. He's, He's a very intelligent kid. So he knows he needs to refine some things. So he wants to go back as well. You get all four of those guys back, plus these guys like Thomas Bortolo and uh, Brendan Brisson and all these other guys that are there. That Michigan team is going to be so fun to watch next year. And, man, I'm, I'm just going to enjoy it every time. I am wor- I'm worried because I'm a
0: Stra- I am became a Strauss-Man fan, and now he's gone. And now the big question mark with Michigan is their goaltending. It's a bummer they had COVID right before the tournament because, boy, they could have made a run last year, no question. But... I. I look at Owen Power, and I, I mentioned this to Stephen Ellis from the Hockey News a few weeks ago, and it was a tin. It was one of my my lovely tinfoil hat ideas. And I'm like, you know, because there was the whole talk with Trevor Lawrence, like he's not going to go to the draft. He's going to go to Clemson, but then the Jacksonville Jaguars took over the last place spot from the New York mm-hmm. Jets, and I'm like. Is it Owen Power just wanting to go back to school for another year to, you know, like you mentioned, to develop, which seems like a very reasonable reason? Or does he just not want to play for the Buffalo Sabres?
2: I wouldn't be shocked if it is the Buffalo Sabres thing. I don't think there's been any indication that there is. So this is me putting my tinfoil hat on as well, because I think it is kind of a fun theory to play with. But, man, like the way I think about it is if I was in his position, do I go – Let me maybe take another year and go to Michigan or live out a fun school year And then maybe go to Buffalo even if they Pick me but like let's see them kind of fix Fix some things this year get over the Jack Eichel Saga get over the Whatever Rosmastellian is going to happen with him Whatever's going to happen with uh, all these other Players on that team Reinhardt Let them get over that then I'll come in and and figure Things out but man yeah Buffalo Is uh they're 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 going to Buffalo
0: (laughs) I will say this A lot of people have said this anyways regardless if He goes back to Michigan or not does Buffalo still take him in your eyes?
2: I think they do. I think he's pretty locked in at number one. I, I think maybe Buffalo's considering William Eklund and, and maybe even Matthew Benares to, to an extent, but I, I think they really want to get Owen power in there. I think most teams know you got to build that back end up and, and be really strong and you get him and him and Rasmus Dalin back there. And th- the, you put those two together and it forces Owen power. He doesn't have to be the number one guy because Rasmus Dalin is that guy. So Owen power maybe fits into more of his natural spot as the number two guy. And, Hey, I think you're laughing at that point. And if
0: maybe, just maybe, Kevin Adams holds on to Rasmus Frista Line and who has been the trade talk for years with the Buffalo Sabers. Let's look at some other guys on this list. You know, I, I myself, Tony, I'm a former goaltender. I love talking about the goalies. I was shocked whenever, whenever I see a goalie in the first round. I kind of go, really? You know, I, I like Yaroslav Askarov, but for a guy who can't hold a stick, I don't know if you'd want to draft him no. tenth overall. But that's neither here nor there. We'll have to see how that pans out especially now that Nashville is showing that they need more goaltending. But the highest one on the list, Jesper Wallstead, I'm i interested to see your take on him. He looks pretty good, played in the World Junior Team with Sweden. What makes him such a high possible prospect for this year's
2: draft? It's it's this weird factor when you're watching a goalie that even if you're not a goalie person, I think you can watch certain goalies and just go, oh, he's really good. You watch Carey Price at his best. You watch Henrik Lundqvist when he was on his game. And you're like, oh, that's, that guy is just really good at that position. He knows what he's doing. And, and you had that at times with Askarov last year. And I think same with Spencer Knight the year before. There were moments where you're like, oh, like, that's a really good goalie. That's not a normal junior goalie. With Jesper Wallstedt, I feel like I have that feeling almost all the time. Like, this is a kid that looks like a professional goaltender. I think his first 14 games in the SHL, he was at a 928 save percentage. He struggled down the stretch a little bit, but he was being played a lot less consistently because they had brought in another goalie that had been more seasoned than they were trying to make a run. So... He, he played a little bit less, and when he played a little bit less, he wasn't kind of producing as high in numbers. But you go back to the World Juniors, and I think he was their best goalie. I think Sweden's biggest mistake at that tournament was not playing Jesper Wallstep more. Because I, I like Hugh Wallstead. He's a good goalie, but I think Jesper Wallstead was the better goalie at the tournament, and I think he's going to be the better prospect long term. So with, with Jesper Wallstead, you just look at how good he is technically, how secure you feel when he's in net. And, and I think that is a, a big thing in the NHL, is you, you watch a team like Toronto, and you see how shaky they get at times with Frederick Anderson back there. And then when Jack Campbell's in that, they're not necessarily playing a whole lot different. They just seem more confident in in that factor. So I think having a guy like Jesper Wassett, who is a calm, controlled goaltender, you have that element of calmness, and I think that just kind of threads throughout the team.
0: And that's such an important thing to have as well. I mean, and who knows how long it takes because goaltenders, you know, people are like, oh, first overall pick this guy can be in the NHL tomorrow. Well listen there's a reason why there'll be never be a number one goaltender drafted at yeah. least number one in the draft that's because rick T. P. H. ruined that for the rest of us but <laughs> it's so hard because it takes so much longer like people forget like they look how good Carey Price is. oh he must have been good forever yes he w- i mean he's been good for a very long time but he had to he won a calder cup with the hamilton bulldogs but he had to pay his dues in the junior ranks and the minors before making it to the nhl it takes a little bit longer with some guys and as as more as I look at the draft this year for goaltenders, it's more looking like a European dominated. And you look at the Central Scouting rankings. They they I, I believe as much as you love to see you know compare each player to you know across the board. I like how they separate it North American, European, both skaters and goaltenders because it's a different kind of look when you have to look at each player. And that's why I think Wallstedt, who is listed as the Central Scouting's number one goaltender. It seems like this year is going to be a European goaltending heavy draft, Tony.
2: Yeah, I think it is. Like you look through at this draft and I don't think it's a, a really strong draft in general, but I think you have some of the Russian kids, Gara Samyak, who's a really good goalie in, but I don't think this is a huge goalie draft. I think you're looking through at these picks and, and you don't have the, the Yo Blomquist. I think you have, I think it's, it's, it's Wallstedt and Kosa. And then you, there's a big, pretty big drop off. I think, I think, you get guys like Benjamin Goudreau. Is Tristan Lennox still a guy that people have faith in? Is like some of these other North American goaltenders, like the NTDP normally has a really good goalie. Is Caden Imberco or Gibson Homer a guy that people have a ton of faith in? Like, do they get drafted? I, I don't know. So it, it's going to be one of those years where I think teams are going to go, let's take a chance on the Russian goalie. Let's take a chance on the goalie that was playing for, for Linda's junior team or whoever it may be and, and see what he turns into because he's got a good frame and he's got a good track record. And, and that kind of seems to work for Russia or for European goalies because teams don't really seem to have an idea of what they're doing they're just throwing darts at the board a lot of the time
0: oh because yeah, especially this year more than anything and this is why we're going to jump to Sweden here because I you know when I did the U18s this year with with Bristol Line for Hockey TV Sweden was in our pool and I got to see Sweden so I got to see Simon Edvinson and Carl Lindbom and goal and and Fabian LaSalle, and I and I see LaSalle, and it I don't know what happened, Tony. I know you watched the U18s yourself. I don't know what was wrong with Sweden, but it just never seemed like they were this dominant force. They were coming into this tournament. And the two guys that I think, I mean, obviously you guys put them up there high end because they are still really good prospects, LaSalle and Edvinson. Personally, I was not impressed. But then again, that's what happens in some of these tournaments. Sometimes they don't step up in these big international tournaments. Sometimes these young kids.
2: Yeah, I think coming into the year, the two countries that everyone was like, oh, man, this is going to be a strong draft for the Swedes, and it's going to be a strong draft for the Americans. And I think both countries disappointed a little bit. I think the Swedes still, for the most part, their club seasons had a good year, and I think a lot of them are still fairly high on the board. And I think you look at a guy like Isaac Rosen and and, and Simon Edmondson and Fabian Liesel, and they played good in spurts at the tournament. I think Rosen was really good throughout the tournament. I think... Fabian Liesel kind of fell victim to trying to do too much on his own. Like There were so many times where he was trying to make a play and then there'd be no one in the front of the net or he'd try to do something. And then towards the latter half of the tournament, he just tried to do it all himself. He's trying to go through defensemen. He's got a ton of skill. He's got a ton of speed. He's got the tools to do it, but no player can do it consistently. Like That's too much to ask of a guy, especially when Fabian Liesel is not Alexi Lafreniere. He's not Quentin Byfield. He's not this guy that's an absolute dominant force at the junior ranks. So it's a, a bit of a situation where like the Swedes, just in general, they, they had a lot of good players, but they couldn't really come together as a good team. And it was really interesting to see that.
0: And that's one thing, too, because while Sweden did the junior, at least the junior leagues and the pro leagues, they had a little bit longer of seasons because they did start a little bit earlier. They it just never seemed like it clicked for them and 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 I you mentioned how LaSalle tried to do everything by himself. But I'm like I don't think it helped that in the first game against Belarus he went end to end and made it look pretty easy. So he probably thought oh I can do this against everybody exactly. No. And th- and that's just how it is with some kids. And and I've heard some things you know it, especially. You know these kids are 17 years old now. They're 18 years old. They're going in this draft, and they're like, "All right, I can do a lot here." And for a lot of those guys, that was like their first time seeing the scouts. My goodness, I had Steve Eiserman poking his nose next to my ear in the in the booth. That's how, like, those were some of the big names that were there. So they may have been trying just a little bit too hard. But one kid that was there at the U18s, who I was just so happy to finally watch, outside of of you know the big names, of course, with Connor Bedard and Shane Wright, I got to see Brant Clark play. And when we talked with Tate Harris last year before, it was actually right after the draft. We were talking about the OHL a little bit, how they did in the draft last year. I'm like, who is the pick next year for the draft? Who is going to be the number one guy? And Tate Harris, without a doubt, said Brant Clark. And what makes him so dynamic? I can say it easily. He's a great, he's a six foot one. He's not massive, but he's not small. He moves the puck well. He looks like he can do it on both ends of the rink. He played at the pro level last year, playing in Slovakia. What makes Brant Clark a special player?
2: I think part of the thing that makes Brand Clark a special player is he's just so intelligent. He knows how to pick apart a defense, unlike many defensemen in this draft. I think you look at a guy like Luke Hughes, who a lot of people think is the the top offensive defenseman in this draft, but he doesn't have the same kind of cerebral instincts that Brand Clark has. He, he has the tools, the attackability, and stuff like that, but I think Brand Clark's just so intelligent at, at identifying where the weakness is and attacking it when it when it comes open whether it's a pass or he's able to skate into the zone, I think a lot of people kind of sour on him a little bit at times because his skating stride is a little bit wonky. He looks like a a deer on rollerblades at times. He's a little knock-kneed and stuff, but... The kid has the best four-way mobility out of any of these top four defensemen, I think. I think Luke Hughes is the best front forward skater, but I think Brent Clark's the one that walks the line the best. I think he's the one that kind of is able to kind of shift down into the zone and climb down the walls and stuff like that, and then retreat back on his back, on the back skate. So I think he's a guy that does so many things so well, and he's just so intelligent at when to attack. I think he's an aggressive defender. I think he's probably going to need to rein that back in a little bit. He likes to go down in his stomach and kind of sprawl out and try to make that desperation play when he doesn't necessarily need to. But he's a guy that I think has all the drive, all the tools. And, and for me, he personally, he's my top defenseman on my board. I think he was the number two guy on the diver prospects list. But yeah, he's a guy that I, I think he's certainly the the one guy that I think is in the conversation as a defenseman as for a number one pick.
0: He's going to be something else. And I think Luke Hughes will be, too, at a given time, obviously, like I said, going to the University of Michigan. The, the big Russian that everyone's looking at, obviously there's Daniel Cheka, who is going to be big, but Fyodor Svesh, uh, Sveshkov is one of the high ends. He's from the St. Petersburg system. He's a center. He's six foot. Once again, not a massive guy, not a small guy. You got, Dabr has him at the, that's the highest Russian in their rankings. He's currently listed on the European Scares by Central Scouting as sixth. What makes him a dynamic player? And do you think that's a guy that we're going to see next year in the league? Or is that a guy that's going to have to develop overseas before coming over here?
2: Well, I, I think he'll probably take at least one more year, but I do think he's one of the more, one of the more NHL-ready players in this draft because he plays such a smart two-way game. And I don't know if dynamic is necessarily the right word to describe him because he doesn't have that super flashy offensive game. Like, this guy is a guy, when you watch him at the World Under-18s, where he, he, every time he seemed to get a point, whether it was a goal or a nice assist, it was on the counterattack because he was making a really good defensive play. He'd come up and and just pick a pass off coming off the boards, or he'd win a battle along the boards, or he'd go in and he'd just absolutely strip a guy without the guy even realizing that he was there. And he plays such a smart defensive game. I've been calling him B-Minus Anton Lindell the last like few months because he plays a lot like Anton Lindell. He doesn't have that flashy offensive game, but he has a good shot. He's a really good passer, crisp passer, and he's a guy that I think... When you, you give him a skill guy in his wing, he can enhance the skill guy's game by doing all the little things that the skill guy doesn't want to do, and then still contributing as an offensive player. So I think he probably tops out as a second line center or a really good third line center, but man, this guy is is got so much intelligence in his game. And and like I said, I think he's one of the more NHL ready and in safer picks of the first round. Yeah, and that's
0: that's one thing too, Tony, as we kind of switch gears away from the singular prospects, but more like to the team side of things. When you're when you're sitting there in the top ten You're almost trying to find the guy that's going to change it for almost change your franchise because you have to pick, you know, uh, because there's so many top end prospects. If you pick the wrong guy, it may end up coming back to bite you. But we mentioned how Cody Glass just got traded over from Vegas to Nashville. And, you know, his career hasn't quite panned out as many thought it would be right now. It's quick for those that don't know. The top 10 goes Buffalo, Seattle, Anaheim, New Jersey, Columbus, Detroit at six. Again, San Jose, L.A., Vancouver, Ottawa. That 11th pick was forfeited by Arizona, not because they're dummies, just because the fact that, well, they are dummies, just not the dummies that were last <laughs> season, more or less just because they had some players work out for them. That's all it was, not uh, other things. Because um, they're a family, Tony. Remember that. They're a family. Oh, family.
2: <laughs> good family business over there in Arizona. Oh, good family business.
0: But if you're Buffalo, you're Anaheim, are you looking for the next best player, or are you looking for a guy that, you know, hey, this guy we could see on our team in a certain number of years or in a couple of years with some good development.
2: I think for, it depends on the team at at the top of the draft. I think Buffalo and Anaheim, they both kind of want guys that are going to be that high end offensive player, that high end player that can kind of help change that franchise. But I think when you look at a team like Seattle at number two, I think the guy that screams Seattle right now is Matthew Bennears because he is that guy that you look at and you go, this could be the captain of the team in a few years. He may not be the best player, but he's got the guy that's going to wear the C. He's going to be that second line center that just kind of rallies the team, scores the big goal in the playoffs and all those things. And and I think he's one of those players that kind of can, can bring a franchise kind of together. And I think that he screams Seattle. I think Owen Power, like I said, is going to Buffalo, but with Anaheim, I think it's going to be really interesting because like you said, I think they do want to go for a guy that's a higher end upside guy. I think they could take a swing at William Eklund. I think Simon Edvinson's an interesting option there because he is such a raw prospect where you look at his tools and you're like, Oh man, we could do something with this, but it's going to take some development. So this, this draft is going to be really interesting because I think we're going to see, especially with no one really separating themselves outside of maybe the top couple names. I think you're going to see a lot of teams go, all right, which player do we like best the way they play? Because they're all kind of the same grade prospects. They're all 80s. So let's go with the one that plays our style of game. And you're going to see a lot of that in this draft, I think.
0: Yeah, because there are some years where we've let have our our jaws on the floor because how could you pick a guy like that? This year it's like, okay, that makes sense because there's so many good top-end players. You mentioned – I mean, there's guys like Mason McTavish who – he was from Peterborough but played overseas as well this past year. Dylan Gunther, who I thought was, you know, he wasn't super in terms of the point production at the U18s, but I think he looked good. Who do you think from this from the players that are eligible this year are NHL ready now? Who do you think that out of all the the big names or maybe even some names that are kind of further back, How many players or who do you think is really a guy that could go into an NHL lineup next season and be effective? Obviously we talked about Owen Power, possibly going to Michigan. So we'll leave him out for the sake of this discussion, but who could make that jump next year to the NHL?
2: I think Matty Beneers is a guy that could make the jump, but honestly, I think this year is one of those years where you're like, I don't know if anyone's ready for the NHL next year. And it's not, it doesn't happen every year. I think you look at a guy like Atu Ratu, could he play in the NHL next year? He's played some pro games. I think he's, kind of ready to that play that game so could you throw him on the third line and just kind of hope hope he doesn't get buried yeah for sure and I think you could do that with a few guys like Matthew Benares even Fedor Svechkov I think you could bring him over and go alright you're playing on the third and fourth line you're not going to be relied upon for a lot just hold your head above water and, and he can do that I think I don't think you're going to get anyone to come in and be a, a Matthews be a uh, a guy that kind of challenges for the call, or necessarily with some of the other rookies that'll be up next year, like Cole Caulfield. Like, I, I don't think there's anyone in this draft that's going to challenge him next year for something like that, or even some of the other rookies for next year. So it's going to be really interesting to see which guys do make the NHL because I think we're going to see a lot of holding their heads above water for whoever does make it.
0: Yeah. And that's one of those things where I think teams realize, and I still, and I, and this is why I say you'll never see anyone from the national development program ever make the jump anymore to the nhl i think jack hughes was a great experiment and he's starting to come around now but boy that first year was tough for that young man and it's almost like maybe you should have i you know gone to college and done it because heck because i'm if i'm not mistaken jack eich only played one year before coming to the nhl and it worked out pretty well for well pardon me the money worked out for him pretty well obviously the (laughs) situation in buffalo that's a different story for a different day but, you know, we you, you always favor everyone likes to look at the top 10 and pick whoever. But, you know, I there's this guy by the name of Iserman who a couple of years back drafted Mo Cider. And literally myself included, we all had the same reaction Cider did when he got drafted. Everyone's like, wow, what a crazy high pick. He really moved up the draft board. Who is that guy this year? Who do you think jumps into the top 10 or maybe a guy that's projected third, second round that goes all the way up to the first round?
2: Well, I, I want to first point out. I was one of the very few people high on cider. that's what they all say. Everyone always says that. I had him at 11 on my board, which still isn't six or seven. Like, it's not in the top ten. But I was a huge fan of cider. So when he went and everyone was – I was shocked. But I was like, I I, I low-key like this. This is cool. This is cheeky. And it's worked out. It's worked great. So I think that's a great pick. But, no, I think there's a few guys. I think a guy like Ayrton Martino. He's a guy that I don't think a lot of people have in the first round. I know us a Dauber. We have him right at the tail end. On my board, he's at 18. I think he's a guy that has an an incredible amount of skill, an incredible amount of offensive game. And he's this really unique prospect where a lot of times you look at a prospect who's playing on the penalty kill at the junior level. And you're like, oh, it's just because he's one of the better players. He's not really that good of a penalty killer, especially when you look at him at five on five. He looks pretty useless at five on five defensively. Ayrton Martino is not a good five on five defender. He is maybe my favorite penalty killer to watch in this entire draft. I don't know how many shorthanded goals he has this year, but he kept he picks off passes. He pressures in the neutral zone. He's a puck hound on on the defensive end of the ice when he's on the penalty kill. You look at that and you go, man, we can do something with that on at five on five. And I think when I talked to him this year, he even mentioned like, yeah, in Omaha, they like to fly the zone a little early, the wingers, and and get out there and try to push the pace offensively. So he was doing that a lot, and he was probably doing it too much. And you, you look at a guy like that and you're like, man, if we can get some of that penalty kill game at five on five, just in his own zone, and let that offensive tool set play. Like he's a really fun player to watch. I think he's a guy that could sneak into the first round. I think Scott Morrow, this the wild card high school kid, uh, there's some teams that really, really like him. I'm a, a huge fan of this kid, and I generally don't like high school kids at all. Like I think drafting them higher than the third round, fourth round is kind of a, a waste because we've seen so many U.S. high school kids fail. But Scott Morrow's got some elite, elite level skating. He might be the best skating defenseman in this draft maybe outside of Luke Hughes as a pure skater and, and Grant Clark in terms of four-way mobility, but he's got this stop-start ability. He reminds me so much of Kale McCarr just as a skater. He doesn't have a lot of the other tools that Kale McCarr has. That's, it would be completely unfair to compare him to a guy that's going to be a perennial Norris candidate the next few years, likely. So, But he's got that special skill set where you're like, man, if a team falls in love, we've seen teams fall in love with high school players before, and I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him in the first round either. So I think those two guys are, are two kind of wild cards that could sneak into the first.
0: Yeah, uh, high school draft, and it's, it's so different because I have to remind people who won the Calder over Steve Eisman his rookie year, some kid by the name of Tom Barrasso, who was drafted a goaltender that was drafted number one out of high school. That does not happen anymore just because of the fact that, A, junior hockey, college hockey, it's all changed since then. But, you know, you, you study all these players. Where do you think the hot high school market is nowadays? Because obviously there is the Northeast, there is New England, Massachusetts, there's obviously shattuck st mary's they're still in minnesota i will be the i am i still beat to the drama of this i actually met Mackenzie mckechran at brother rice's uh at their prom because it was at the same hotel that i was staying at for a prospects tournament so i knew Mackenzie mckechran before he got drafted but where is the high school hotbed right now it's it seems like it's still the northeast and minnesota but where do you think the best players are coming from right now
2: yeah i think the northeast and minnesota are probably the two two areas that you go to because They've got so much talent and you're seeing some of these schools like shattuck st mary's and st andrews in ontario kind of teaming up for this like super high school conference it's a really interesting conference they're going to start next year yeah i can't think of it off the t- top of my head but it's going to be a bunch of the best high schools from all over the states in the northeast and minnesota uh shattuck st andrews in and ontario like i said the one gonna be the one canadian school and, and it's going to be this kind of super superpower conference. And I think that's going to be an interesting route for seeing some of these other high school kids go because now they will have to play against some of the better competition. Some of these kids are probably going to move from other schools to go to these schools so that they get that higher-end competition. And I think it could be a, a quasi-junior-level league at, at times when we get some of the talent in there. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see going forward. And it's called
0: the Prep, or the Prep Hockey Conference. And it's going yes. to feature Shaddix, it's gonna have St. Andrews, like you said. It's gonna have Northwood. It's gonna have Rhode Island or St. Charles, and South Kent are gonna be the teams to watch out for in that conference. Shatt- Shattuck's has always been it's for you know even date back when I was a kid growing up. Shattuck's just seemed like the staple in terms yeah. of, of prep hockey. Always, they always provide excellent talent. We mentioned just a minute ago, Tony, about Mo Seder getting drafted by Steve Eiserman. He's back at six again. Took Lucas Raymond last year. My question is this, out of all the top end, you know, teams that we have in this year's draft, is there a team that sticks out to you that's going to shock people in terms of who they pick? I mean, I know obviously Buffalo could go way off the wall and take Matty Benier instead of Owen Power. Be, I mean, or they take someone that's going to be ready for the NHL next year. That's entirely a possibility. But is there a team that just says to you, like, you know what, this team's going to do something that's no one's going to see coming?
2: I think there's three teams, actually, and they're, they're right in a row. I think six, seven, eight: Detroit, San Jose, and L.A. I think those three teams, they're all a little bit of wild cards. I think Detroit, is with Steve Eiserman, he's always kind of willing to beat to, beat to his own via the drum. Uh, you look at uh, Doug Wilson in, in San Jose, and I think they, they've got a really interesting opportunity to figure out what they want to do. Are they the team that that does take Jesper Walstead in the top 10? Uh, is it Detroit? Is it L.A.? I think all three of those teams have a chance to do that. And, and I think all three of those teams have a chance to maybe grab a guy like, Fedor Svechkov like surprise somebody like that and, and pull him some guy that's in the 15 to 20 range right into the top 10 so I think those three teams because especially because of where they are in the rebuild especially LA they're right at the end of the rebuild maybe they're just going for that one piece that they kind of see that fits their system or see that they need to fill in and on their rosters going forward so it's going to be interesting to see what those three teams do I think
0: Yeah, yeah and Steve Eiserman, he's he's an interesting guy he's ever since that Moe Sider pick it's like all right what is Steve gonna do this year it's like Kofi Kingston at the Royal Rumble what is Kofi Kingston (laughs) gonna do this year what's Steve gonna do in this draft I've always I've always loved watching the draft at least the first round obviously when you get to the second third and especially in the later rounds it's like all right who we got left who's on the board who I mean how many how many players because it's so funny because people look at Braden Point people you know whenever you see picks get traded i'm like oh my gosh you got to keep that seventh pick because a guy like patrick hornquist could be drafted from this team or you know people look at brayden point this guy was a third round draft pick and i remember i was actually listening to the steve dangle podcast they listed off the other players they drafted tampa did that year when brayden point was picked nobody that i've ever heard of before the draft itself is just when he gets to that point you're just picking whoever but how many players do you think off the top of your head do you think this is kind of a wild guess for you tony that actually make the NHL for if say a team has seven or eight picks they could pick one up in a trade how many of those guys do you expect to be in the NHL at any point
2: I think the the running rate that I last saw was about 27 percent make it to the NHL that's that's rate from first round pick to seventh round pick I think the first round picks are obviously a lot higher about 50 percent make uh, the the NHL on an over 100 game basis I think when you, you get to the towards the top ten, there's a lot higher success rate, obviously. And, and as you go back, it does go down significantly. But once you get to that second, third round, fourth round, I think teams have a, a habit of going, "Oh, well, we couldn't get the big defenseman in the first round, so let's take the big defenseman that doesn't score and can't skate in the third round." Where, where, in my opinion, you go for upside as soon as you get out of that first round, as soon as you get out of the surefire guys. I think you go, you know what? Let's take Ayrton Martino. Let's take uh, Logan Stankoven fell like why? Because he's five foot eight. Well, let's take him with the forty-fifth pick because maybe he's the next Braden Point. And you you look for those guys with the high-end upside, the high-end skill, and, and you go, what What's the one thing that they need? What What's the one thing we can help them get to the next step so that they can be the full potential at the NHL level? So I think it's about d- developing at that point and, and then identifying, like I said, the high skill, high upside guys. Because if you're swinging for home runs, we look at baseball nowadays. If you, they're all going for home runs, it's all it's about home runs or strikeouts. You might as well treat the draft the same way.
0: Yeah. It- that's kind of how it is. And you mentioned Stankoven. And I listen, I, obviously Bedard, Wright, Clark, those were the big names for Team Canada at the U18s. Bruce and I have mentioned it on the air. Logan Stankoven was one of, the fa- one of our favorite players we got to watch because, and I'm going to say this, and all of our Toronto fans are just going to lose their mind. I'm wearing the Leaf shirt right now. He's just like a guy like Zach Hyman. And c- not just because he wore 11 kids and not because he's right-handed and a little bit smaller, but because he worked so hard. Like it never seemed like he stopped giving 110% on the ice. And that's what makes him, I think, a high end pick. And you know what, Tony, you're you know, you're from Ontario. You're in Ontario there. Do you how much do you think Zach Hyman's gonna go for?
2: Uh, too much. Way too much. <laughs> like six by six, I wouldn't be shocked. Like something stupid. Like if I look at Zach Hyman, I'm like, I, I'm a Leafs fan myself. I watched every Leafs game. I think Zach Hyman's an incredibly gifted player at what he does. But what he does is not a six million dollars job. I'm sorry. Like I, I think he works hard. I would love to give him six million dollars in a cap world. You just can't do it. I yeah. think he's a guy that you, you give that contract to and then regret it the second year, and, and because he's starting to break down. We've seen him two knee surgeries. He's had back problems. Like that's not a guy you want to commit long term to as he's entering his 30s. So if I if I could get him for what I want, I'd give him three by four or three by five even. But like I'm not gonna go six years. I'm not gonna go four or five years even because I, I don't want to tie myself to a guy that could be breaking down long term
0: do you think it's one of those things where zach may realize hey all right this has been fun playing for my hometown team but let's go make some money elsewhere because apparently the children's book sales are not enough for him tony
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think this is one of those times where he's like you know what like this team's going to go through a little bit of transition this next couple years and especially next year i think it's going to be really that Ooh, is this core going to do something finally? Like, this is this is it. Like, you can tell least Nation is trying to not murder each other every day. In the, in the middle of June, in the middle of July, they're trying to kill each other. And is this the year that they go through a big transition? Do they trade a guy like Zach Hyman, who's been a core piece? Do they trade a guy like Morgan Riley? Like, I've heard rumors about him and people talking about him. Do, do they make a, a big change like that? Because I don't know if they're going to do it with one of the big forwards. Because I think William Neal and his contract is too good. And I know people are going to hate that, but... The contract is marvelous for what this guy brings to the ice. Matthews is, is Matthews. He's the best, second, third best player in the league. He's one, a phenomenal player. Tavares, you're, he's your captain. I don't think you're trading him. He's got the no move clause. And Marner, let's be honest, they're just not going to trade that that deal. Like I, I don't want to trade Marner either. He's still a guy that can put up ninety to one hundred points in the regular season. You you want the skill, but you need to make changes. And, and where that change comes, maybe it is a guy like Zach Hyman.
0: Yeah, it's tough. I put this question out to Twitter. They got a poll. I got a, quite a few votes on it as well, mainly because I'm pretty sure Leafs Nation's so sensitive to the subject right now. True. I asked, I said this, and I'm like, if he goes to Boston or Edmonton, I don't think the Leafs make the playoffs. 56 point, a little over 56% said the Leafs make the playoffs if Zach Hyman goes somewhere else. Only 40, almost 44% said keep your golf clubs. Tony, Zach Hyman signs somewhere else. Yes or no, do the Leafs play into the postseason?
2: Yes, yes, because okay. I think this is one of those situations where everyone in Leafs Nation is so hard on them right now because of how bad the last couple of years have ended that they're just like, well, this team last sucks. Last couple of years? Like, it's been four or five times. I Come know, on, I know, but it's been, a, It's the first couple were fun. The first couple were like, ah, this ragtag group of young kids, they're getting there. And then the th- second and third time, you're like, ah, this is getting annoying. And then the last couple years, you're like, well, I'm going to flip my table because I just whipped my laptop at the wall. So, like, I'm frustrated. So, I think, yeah, this is kind of – it's still a good team. I still think this is a team that's going to make the playoffs. I, I I said it last year, and I was completely wrong, but I still think this is a team that is going to get over the hump this year. Like, I, I think this is – they're going to do something. They have to at this point because if they don't, I think – I think Leafs Nation might literally burn Toronto down.
0: We, when we had Kyle Bacoskis on right before the playoffs, I asked him, like, you know what, Kyle, this team's really good. No, the grand. this was before the playoffs. I, remember, <laughs> I, remember, I have to tell everybody that. When Kyle Bacoskis confidently said that the Montreal Canadiens were as far as Carey Price was going to take them, and damn it, if he wasn't 100% right. But I asked him, like, are we just afraid to because i told him like you know kyle you know you're from ontario kyle i'm a leafs fan myself why am i terrified to pick the leafs and he's like because we're all scarred because <laughs> we cause yeah. we know what's going to happen and it's it's the definition of insanity tony and if it happens in the first round again boy if i'll say this right now if steve dangle gives up on the leafs, i'm pretty sure everyone else will right
2: yeah like i think that the leafs fandom will just die there will be seven Leafs fans, and it'll just be all the old people that are just still kicking around from the last Stanley Cup win.
0: I'm just happy the Leafs are still playing because I remember Harold Ballard. Listen, Harold Ballard was. Gonna be, I, 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 okay, I'm not going to go that far. I was about to say, I'm like, at least, you know <laughs> what? I'm sure the Harold Ballard years couldn't have been this bad. Okay, they probably were. Could you imagine the Harold Ballard years with social media, Tony?
2: Oh Holy my goodness. Moly. He would have been some a of the sto- Yeah, some of the stories you hear about this guy, you're like, oh man like if twitter existed holy
0: oh he probably would have been fired i would well i hope he would have been fired before <laughs> before he finally gave it up gosh my, my one of my favorite stories i ever hear about that is when he uh, apparently i guess pop sales were down so he turned off the water fountains at the gardens
2: Ah, oh, what a what a smart business man
0: oh hey it's good business yeah man hi look at that cokes are going They can't even keep them on tap anymore good lord uh we'll, we'll have stories for harold ballard a lot later on we've been chatting here with tony ferrari expert draft analysis D- tony thanks for getting you on we're f- so happy we're finally able to get it worked out this time this year it's going to be an exciting draft maybe not the deepest draft compared to years past but it's going to be fun to watch and have two drafts in a week seattle on wednesday the regular draft on the weekend boy it's going to be a fun time
2: it's going to be a ton of fun i can't wait for the seattle draft and then yeah like you said a couple days later we get the nhl draft
0: it's going to be a hoot and nanny for sure, as I'm pretty sure I just aged myself when I said that. Follow Tony, guys, at the Tony Ferrari there on Twitter. He is going to be your guy to give you all the best draft analysis leading up to day one and even throughout. Tony, thanks again, man.
2: No problem. Thanks for having me on.
0: And that was Tony Ferrari from the – he is one of the best draft now, draft analysts that we've had on this program. No disrespect to the people we've had in the past. He's just an amazing guy to talk to. As we kind of wind things down here, we got a little bit of time left here on The Cule Show. Remember, of course, if you just caught the end of that interview, it is okay. Don't panic. The Cule Show YouTube channel will be your place to find the replay tomorrow. And of course... I mean, you're already listening right now on on your pod favorite podcatcher, so you're probably like, "Well, Tyler, why would we? I don't know, telling us about the replay when we're listening to it." I'm sorry. Listen, if you watched it live, you would understand what I say. That hey, if you missed a little bit, it's okay. You can watch the replay tomorrow. I'm sorry for all you cool people that listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio soundcloud where we put the stuff actually up I, in other radio fms or whatever the heck you listen to i am sorry for all, the, for all you guys out there uh so we got about 15 minutes so i think we're gonna take this one all the way to 8 30 guys because we're gonna jump back here into the expansion draft because i i want to get through this it's so tough i'm sorry for the folks that are watching on 12 on sportsman i'm like well quit staring at your laptop well i i have to i have to see who i'm picking so quick recap i picked kevin shattenkirk from anaheim like that's going to come bite me in the butt later on. I ended up picking Tyler Pitlick from Arizona. I took Connor Clifton from Boston, Cody Eakin from Buffalo, and my latest pick with Mark Giordano from Calgary. We're in to Carolina here. Carolina, interesting. No goaltenders worth really signing because Reimer and Mrazik are both UFAs. Alex Adelkovich is the one they pro- protected. You have Nino Niederreiter at one year at five point two five. You have, unfortunately, Brock McGinn, Martinuk, Cedric Paquette, all UFAs, as are on the back end. Dougie Hamilton, Jake Beans an RFA, and Eric Jelena is also UFA. A couple, or he's UFA next year, but he's not even with the team yet. This is one of those things where I want to pick the best guy. I want to get Nino Niederreiter because here's the thing: it's only one year, only one year at 5.25, five and a quarter he i think he's still got some good hockey in him guys i know he wasn't as good as he usually is i'm not taking i'm not touching jake garden with a 30-foot pole on the back end we're going nino nina the swiss superman himself for carolina chicago Chicago's interesting they did the 7-3-1 route they have nikita zadorov calvin dehan zadorov by the way an rfa calvin dehan who is a ufa next year making almost five million the goaltenders that are available Delia and malcolm suban both UFAs after next year. On the front, the guys you really want to look at Brett Connolly, eh. Ryan Carpenter, eh. Adam Gaudet, Josh Dickinson, Brandon Peary, and John Quinville, all free agents. Dickinson and Gaudet, restricted free agents. Huh. Because here's the hard part with Zadorov and getting an RFA in general, guys. You actually have to sign them then. You have their signing rights. You don't have them on your team yet. I wonder what Zadorov. he made 3.2 last year. What is his cap hit going to be? Calvin DeHaan is 30 years old. He's making almost five. Do you not go the Zadorov route? Because if you can get him at four and a half, maybe, five million, because I think it's only 105% increase on an RFA contract. Oh, man. I like, because Calvin DeHaan's a good defenseman, but I don't know if he's worth taking on. For five million for one year let's go Zodorov and we sign him we're gonna sign him for something Colorado all right Colorado of course remember they left Gabriel Landeskog open because he is an unrestricted free agent Eric Johnson waived his no move clause he's at six mil for two more years Patrick Nemeth is the UFA who they got from the Red Wings or got back from the Red Wings their goaltenders they have available uh, the only two that are RFAs are Hunter Mishka and Jonas Johansson David Dubnik is an unrestricted free agent uh, oh man Pierre uh Pierre-Edouard Belmar is a UFA gosh you have so many UFAs because like I said this is one of those things guys like I'm probably looking at Jonas score right now and saying there's your guy because it's either him or JT Comper gosh they're both solid players I'll take Comper mainly because I'm partially biased towards the Michigan guy I'm not taking Eric Johnson because I don't know if he's worth it at six million anymore it's you know it's funny i I'm, I'm looking at this right now i'm like i probably haven't picked many defensemen lately <laughs> let's jump on over here to columbus columbus has cam johnson who they just signed for this reason so they can protect him here in the draft on the back end guys that could be something you could look at unfortunately can't take scott harrington uh dean Cookin michael delzato that's, Delzato's those ufa clendenning yeah oh my goodness oh lord this team is awful (laughs) or this group of team players is awful i don't want to pick max domi at 5.3 though can i pick nathan gerby i'll take nathan gerby sure i'll take nathan gerby no problem i don't care take nathan gerby uh goaltenders for dallas ben bishop is there but he's making five million dollars I don't want to pick him because oh andre seca is there oh gosh hey don't forget Lucas spisa got picked up by the vegas golden knights just remember that kids so he was there that first year up front dallas is andrew cogliano who's ufa blake como who is signed through next year so that won't be a bad idea you know what? i need defensemen though let's go on after andre sequeira or actually oh, is he healthy let me make sure before i do something stupid because i know he had the knee problems uh injury da da injury his name was out there so you know what we're gonna do that we're gonna go andre Sakara, hopefully he recovers and that's gonna be our guy what's that guy okay cool doing well on time here detroit red wings franz nielsen not even gonna take a chance darren helm ufa filpula ufa Vladislav nemestikov hmm uh Vianney's special cops and rfa unfortunately i love gino's a cool guy I Loved watching him in grand rapids not the guy i'm gonna take it all uh, i'm not taking pat for biggest kid because pat who works for the red wings won't allow that to happen uh De, no not even chance daniel DeKaiser. troy stetcher not a bad idea unfortunately he's the only i mean it's funny all the eligible defensemen for the detroit red wings there's only two rfas that is troy stetcher and and dennis chalowski that are rfas try or excuse me, christian juice and dennis chalowski troy stetcher and dan de kaiser both ufas next year gosh i don't know who i want to pick here goaltenders they're all free except for Caden Fulker, who is a he's a glorified echler i won't let anyone tell me different oh my goodness my team's gonna suck this team is that i'm picking i'm hoping ron francis is watching this right now and he's like every every player this kid picks i'm not picking because that'd be the best thing you can do oh gosh there's like no one i want to take because here's that's the thing like i said i can pick all these players that are unrestricted free agents get their signing rights but why would i do that if i can just pick someone else you know what? we're going vladdy domestikov He's all, what is he, 28? uh It's well, because you either get 28 year old domestic or 27 year old Troy Stetcher. Jumping over to Edmonton Oilers. We can pick James Neal and put him on another expansion team. Hope he scores 20 plus goals. Or we can go after Kyle Turris, who is still a player in the NHL. Oh, boy. That's just about it. There's Devin Shore, who signed through 2023. Going on the back end, you got Oscar bomb May not be the worst idea going after him to a defenseman. Yeah, Miko Koskinen is UFA, but that's four and a half million dollars that I don't want. Oh, you know what? I'm going to do this because I thought about this. Is he healthy? I'm going to before I say this, Alex. Uh, do 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 do. do. Eh, nah. I was like maybe I should take Alex daylock I'm like, no, no, no. No one's gonna take that. Oh gosh. Screw it. Going real deal, James Neal. We're taking a gamble on the old fart. (laughs) Let's take over to Florida. Everyone that's watching right now is like, this is the stupidest draft. Yes, it is, kids. It is the stupidest expansion draft you'll ever see. Chris Drieger, who is going to be signed, not even gonna bother taking him from Florida while that now, while that contract is not official yet. It's possi- i mean it's go- possibly going to happen that's the discussion you take radko gudis at two and a half mil that's not bad add some defensive depth i don't uh, anton strowman is I, for me he's too old radko gudis is 31 years old though tyler well i get it kids there's frank Vitrano. there's alex alex uh, a ufa oh i like Vitrano, but Like, this team's supposed to be good. I know they're going to be good, but I'm picking these players. I'm saying to myself, who do you actually pick? Now, granted, yes, you could easily see Seattle make a big push, a big push through free agency. Let's go with... Oh, I'm... Frank Vitrano is going to be for Florida. Sorry, I got a text message about moving because, like I said, we're moving here soon because we're getting a new house uh, here in Grand Rapids. Los Angeles. Brandon Lemieux. Not going to happen. Andrea Sanathana, see you. Not going to happen. That is a contract negotiation I do not want to be a part of. Marty Furk. No, not going to happen. Ole Mata. Give him a second opportunity. Or you can go after Jonathan Quick at 5.8. Is is Jonathan Quick, the Marc-Andre Fleury here? Looking passe but could do some damage here. I'm so terrified to pick goaltenders because the goaltenders that are available are not the best or overpriced. Can't get it overpriced, carry price. See what I did there, kids. Oh, I got seven minutes here. I gotta hurry this along. You know what? Script, taking Jonathan quick, see what's gonna happen here. We're doing speed round now. Ronnie Francis has all the time in the world, but we're doing speed round. I i picked Capo Kakinen from Minnesota because I already did that when I was talking with with Pat Micheletti I was pretty set on that Montreal Johnny Duran's there but gosh that is a deal that I'm not ready for just because we don't we don't know yet what his status is because remember he took the the leave from the team personal leave who knows how it's going to be there Carey Price waves no move clause I know people are picking him I can't pick him though i'm gonna go paul byron i really liked paul byron the way he played in the playoffs he's only 3.4 million dollars he's not big he's 32 but he could be a guy that you could use later on down the line as a real important veteran says because you're gonna have a lot of young kids on this team let's go to nashville not taking duchene not taking johansson that's so much money uh is retired connor ingram's not a good enough defenseman erica branson's old mark barbievsky is a thing uh, Nick Cousins is there. Brad Richardson is a UFA. Hmm. hmm. My problem is that Johansson and Duchenne are both at $8 million. Uh, Colton Sisson's at 2.857. Let's see if I can quickly go look here. How much am I? Right now I'm at. My oh gosh, my cap hits fifty point one, and I'm not even. I'm I'm barely halfway through here. Oh lord, this is not easy. Um, I can't take them then. Let's go, Colton Sissons. Then let's add some depth up front. A few years under three million dollars, not bad. Uh, New Jersey Devils. They have a pretty basic setup here. Aaron Dell is an expired gold. Let's take Aaron Dell. Shoot, no, he's a UFA. Never mind. Almost, almost made a mistake there, kids uh who do they got up there Andreas jansen is a ufa in a couple years uh, at 3.4 it's not awful let's do that i feel like eventually we're gonna hit over the cap and we're gonna have to make some changes islanders new york islanders thomas hickey at 2.5 can't do it just can't do it andy green just got signed but he is unprotected though oh boy we only got a couple minutes here crap all right speed round. let's go richard panic we're going richard panic yes no yes no leo komarov no yes yes sold three million dollars leo komarov here we go we're moving on over to the new york rangers barclay Goudreau. he's a ufa don't even want to bother um 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 um, um. not taking <laughs> tony d'angelo um shoot keith Kincaid. why not get the cheap goaltender in there going on over now to the ottawa senators they have lots of stuff available i'm not taking matt murray though because it's 6.25 and i already paid too much for my top four as it is anton Forsberg. he's only making 700 grand philadelphia moving over there Jakub borachek not taking him that's 8.25 jvr is getting paid way too much money as well shane gossipers is making four and a half million good lord can i pick anyone from this team no We're going to take, though, Robert, Uh, Justin Braun, because he's $1.8 million. Going over now to Pittsburgh Penguins with three minutes to go here on the show. Jason Zucker, five and a half. Not a chance. Frederick Goudreau. I pretty much screwed myself with my top picks earlier on. Cody Ceci making 1.25. He's a UFA. Marcus Pedersen making too darn much money. Let's see here. Mark Freeman. Casey DeSmith is a goaltender. Nope, I take many goaltenders as it is. Uh, Taking the signing rights for Zach Gass and Reese. Why not? san jose ryan donato making 1.9 he's an rfa though gosh almighty do you have anyone signed through next year gosh almighty alex marcus saying greg pattern uh, he's too old though uh, i'm not taking martin jones we're taking ryan donato signing rights because we're running out of time here not taking vladimir tarasenko seven and a half million dollars get out of here i'm taking him anyways because i just clicked it and i'm gonna move forward with it uh andre making 5.3 alex kalorin back there as well if there's a side deal to get tyler johnson but i'll take Kaloran. why not if I have any money. Actually, you know what? I'll take Blake Coleman. And, uh, he's a UFA. Darn it. Kaloran it is. Because I don't see any point in taking Jan Ruta. He's not making enough. Curtis Mecklen, he's not that good. The Leafs. Alexander Kerfoot. We're just clicking that now. We're going fast here, kids. We only got another minute and a half here left in the show. Uh, not taking Alex Edler. Uh, Madison Bowie. Yeah, for Vancouver here, I'm looking at. Uh, Sven Bereshi. Crap, Sven Bereshi is there. Um, Gosh, almighty just click someone i'm not going to say who it is because i don't really like it um carl Hagelin from the capitals from winnipeg we're going to take can't take matthew perot mason appleton i love him can't do it dylan amelo three million dollars we do we make it under the cap with this team that i picked i'm not gonna be able to read all of this no we did not we were six million dollars over the cap and that is a good way to end this one, folks. Way over cap, as always over budget. I am, just as I always am here on the CUEL Show. Thank you very much for watching. Be sure to catch the replay tomorrow, of course, on the CUEL Show YouTube channel or your favorite podcatcher. Thank you very much for watching this week's episode here on Twelve Ounce Sports. We'll be back next Monday, and maybe in the morning, maybe night, depending on my work schedule. It's unforeseen as of right now, but make sure to follow us at the Fuel Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all your latest information. I am Ty the the Insider of the Insider, saying so long. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.